I just want to offer a disclaimer before we get underway that in today's episode, we're going to be speaking about many sensitive things and even some troubling things. And so certainly if you have children, do not let them watch or listen to this unless you watch and listen to it ahead of time. Um, and then I also would advise against anybody who struggles maybe with the vice of uh, curiosity, um, just to be very wary about this, maybe not watch it at all, or just 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 uh, just to be cautious as you go through it. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. Almighty God, who delivered your people from the bondage of the adversary and through your Son cast down Satan like lightning, deliver us also from every influence of evil and unclean spirits. Command Satan to depart far from us by the power of your only begotten Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Rescue us from demonic imaginings and darkness. Fill us with the light of your Holy Spirit, that we may be guarded against all the snares of the cunning demons. Grant that your angel will always go before us and lead us in the path of righteousness all the days of our life, so that we may give glory and honor to your most holy name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, now and always and forever and ever. Amen. Michael Davis, thank you for being on the show. I'm honored. It's good, good to be man. Here. It's great yeah. to have you. It's yeah. yeah, pleasure. Is it weird being in this room? People always say it looks a lot smaller. It's it's weird because all my favorite people have been oh, here. That's so cool. Yeah. Oh no, I just I was uh, I'm not going to keep saying I was telling you before the show, but um. Yeah, I um, you can, I, you I can do that if you want to. That's fine. <laughs> it's uh, probably a nervous tick, but I um, yeah, I I never on principle like I don't like anything that happened after the fall of Constantinople. So I uh, <laughs> I I don't like podcasts on principle, or I didn't like podcasts on principle. But then when I in my job I had to start keeping up with the the, the most popular authors and stuff. So I I. Uh, I figured I should probably start listening to podcasts, and this was the first one I listened to because okay. it's the it's the Catholic podcast. And um, you know, after the first episode, I was like, "This is pretty good. I like the show." <laughs> I begrudgingly concede. Yep. Yep. Who, so now, who was the first guest that you watched? Do you remember Mother Natalia? Oh, what a woman! Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I um I have a story about the Christ the Bridegroom after. Yeah. But um. Well, yeah. we should. I don't know. Let's announce it now. I don't know. If, Bit, 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 bit of news, bit of news here, which I haven't told you or you. I've shared with you. So we are go just like we have Father Gregory Pine weekly running a, uh, a show. You know, he does a little. Yeah. We're going to have Mother Natalia has agreed to do it as well. Oh, awesome. So we're going to start having a weekly uh, chat awesome. with Mother Natalia. I don't know how she's going to feel about the word Aquinas uh, or pints. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe it'll just be pints of coffee with maximus or something i don't know but i always thought father boniface hicks should start a rival podcast and call it hemina's with benedict oh, i like that yeah or there's a beers with bonaventure mm -hmm. i'm going to give everyone name ideas for their new podcast tequila with escriva yeah just a quick shot good. huh yeah. yeah you should know that you're eastern you should change it to pints with palmas yeah i'm not gonna do no. that but yeah i could uh, but people have said that for sure oh oh well i thought that was my one joke <laughs> so we're done um I, I'm excited that I don't know a lot about you because uh, it'll give us a chance to be sincere as I chat with you as yeah. opposed to pretending to not know things that I already know. Yeah. So where were you born and raised? Well, uh, born in Massachusetts, um, raised, uh, you know, I'm Presbyterian. 
um, a fairly, you know, fairly conservative um, Presbyterian parish and uh, idyllic, you know, New England childhood. Um, grew up on a, an old disused farm, um, but in, you know, rural Massachusetts. So I, my first job when I was in middle school was, you know, working on a neighbor's farm. And I did that through high school and it was uh, the best job I ever had and probably ever will have. So Where did you grow up in Massachusetts? It's, if you um, don't mind me asking exactly the town, because my wife was born in Weymouth and her family are on the Cape. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. oh, okay. Um, it's a town called Haverhill. Okay. A city called Haverhill. We're on the North Shore. Um, and if anyone's ever passed through Haverhill, they're going to say there's no farm country in Haverhill. But it's uh, there is in the like the northern, right up against the New Hampshire border. There's mm. uh, it gets very rural. I grew up on a property that was, it used to be part of the the property of the poet John Greenleaf Whittier. Mm. So his he was my neighbor. I would walk through the woods and through the fields that we hayed, and I was at the Whittier homestead, which is all preserved. And if anyone knows the, um, oh, I'm I'm embarrassing myself. Well, the Barefoot Boy. Um, it was written while he was living there, and uh, there's one about um, uh, this is humiliating. There's one about winter that everyone knows. Okay, um, but yeah, so it was. I my my parents are wonderful, wonderful people, which I say to preface nothing that happened <laughs> was right. their fault. Yeah, um, yeah. and uh, were they practicing Protestants? My yeah, my father was uh, or is a lapsed Catholic. My mother is uh, a, a practicing Presbyterian. Yeah. Mm. And so did you take to the faith as an early child? Did you say your prayers, mm. read the Bible? Yeah, I remember when I was, uh, when I was a little kid, I mean, probably, you know, 12, maybe, 13. I, uh, I told my, our minister that I wanted to be a Protestant minister when I grew up. Mm. Um, I loved religion. I loved the church. I still love the Presbyterian tradition for everything that it gave me. Um, yeah, I, I have no complaints at all about um, growing up, it was this the perfect, you know, New England childhood. My family, my family came. To, I was born in I was born in the, the city of Newburyport, and my uh, my family came to Newburyport in 1624, I think. So like deep roots, mm. knew everyone in the area. Um, I still go and I run into when I go to Market Basket near my parents' house. I still run into people that I know and. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I just can't, yeah, I can't say enough about my parents, my home, the schools that I went to. It was, mm. it was all uh, idyllic. I yeah. have nothing but good memories. Bef before I forget, I want to just offer a disclaimer to those watching. We're going to get into some very sensitive material today. So if you sometimes let your children watch the show or listen to the show, maybe don't do that until you've at least listened to it and then, or watched it and then make that decision. Because yeah. I'm sure you didn't go from Presbyterian kid who wanted to be a pastor to Satanism overnight. Or, you know. No. So how did you gradually move down that path? Well, I was, uh, I was and am a huge nerd. And so uh, I was really into Greek mythology when I was a kid. Awesome. Yeah. And, uh, and looking back, one of the things that I realized, you know, reading Greek mythology, studying as best I could, you know, when the internet was still pretty new, um, Greek religion, um, I was really drawn to the two things. One of them was the um, was the fact that there was really no distinction between the natural and the supernatural. You know, at, the, you know, at, at any moment, you know, you could encounter a god in the river, mm. um, the god of the river. You know, the god of a pretty you know, a nymph could pop out of the trees. And um, there's a part of me that still really believes in you know that that the the world is charged with the grandeur of God. That there is, you know, I, I I've I've experienced that, you know, personally. I've I've never had any doubts about the supernatural. Um, yeah, supernatural in in one way of thinking of it is could be thought of as a pejorative term. 
yeah. as if there's this distinction between what is natural and what's supernatural when maybe the natural and supernatural are one thing, reality. Absolutely. Mm. It's interesting. I, I, uh, in, in Islam, you know, the, there's the, the jinn or the genie. And um, the, the, I don't know if you know this, but uh, Muslims believe that the, they still believe, most of them still believe in the jinn. I mean, it's, it's integral to the Quran. But they believe that the, the jinn are, you know, they're pretty much, they're, they're like people but just incorporeal. So some jinn convert to Islam, some don't, some are pagan. Um, and they have these, they have personalities, they have private convictions, some of which are presumably right or wrong. And um, so the, the, the idea, this idea that we have in the West now of separating the natural and the supernatural is very foreign to our own tradition, but it's basically unheard of in the rest of the world. And I think it's very artificial. And then when you encounter um, a tradition of people that don't make that, insane distinction um coming from you know even the best of us you know the the people i should say the people with the best upbringing like mine um you know we're still products of a secularist world secular society and uh mm. yeah so when you encounter something like greek mythology um it seems more true than what you what you what you imbibe from the culture it's funny you say that lately i've been on a kick of saying that I prefer nonfiction because it seems to me sometimes, if it's good nonfiction, more factual yeah. than fiction. Sorry, fiction is more factual than nonfiction. You know, yeah. like reading Tolkien, like this is more factual than reading the New York Times. Absolutely. And you get, you know, you get made fun of when you talk about the authors that influence your worldview most and you say Tolkien and um, do you? people. Not oh, I do. Not in Steubenville. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, it's. Uh, that's good. Yeah. No, it, uh, yeah. So I, I encountered this, um, this other way of, it was just the, really the first way that I encountered this other way of looking at the, the world and, uh, and I was drawn into it. And so in middle school, I made a friend who, uh, she was Wiccan and her mother was also Wiccan. And, you know, we would, we would hang out and she would, they would take, we lived not very far from Salem, Massachusetts, you know, mm. which city USA. And so we'd go and we'd buy, you know, ritual stuff. Um, how old were you? Middle school, you said? Middle school, yeah. Yeah. I don't know how old that is. 13? We, did your parents know and were they concerned if they did? No, I don't think they knew. Mm. I, I, I did my best to hide it. Um, I think I had, I mean, I, ha I know that I, I left my idols out, but, you know. What, does it, what do you mean? Statues, like the statues of the gods and, and things like that. Okay, you got to back up. So you have statues of God in your in your house in your bedroom and yeah so they, these like these witchcraft shops they sell idols like statues oh i see so after you bought them you would hide them oh yeah no i, I, I wouldn't i wouldn't hide them i think my parents just thought that they were old oh. artworks that i had because okay. i you know um so they i think they and they knew that i love greek mythology so i think to have like a, a oops You're sorry fine. yeah to have a little statue of uh you know of apollo or whatever i think that that wasn't something that gave mm -hmm. them any pause but um i did hide my you know, my ritual tools. And, um, and I had the usual stuff. I, the, um, I had a chalice that I bought from a witchcraft store and I would, uh, and I would take the, the chalice and I would steal wine from my dad and, uh, and I would, and, you know, usually like bread or something. Um, and I'd take the, uh, the idols and, um, other, you know, other tools of the craft and I would go into the woods. These I, we had very deep woods behind my house, and I had a special. It was a hidden. It was hidden in a, a gulf with a with a stream, 
and I had a special spot that I would go to and I would make offerings and say the prayers and um and it was you know that was that was that was kind of how I how I got into it and I still think of that period as uh kind of the Arcadian phase of this uh this this part of my life because it was I was uh, the other thing that I was desperate for I think growing up as a Presbyterian the thing that we have a natural need for is ritual and to be able to take you know these these elements wine and bread um, and to have these beautiful statues in nature and to say these set prayers these Mm -hmm. ancient prayers um, like the hymns of Orpheus and uh, and to make these offerings and to 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 offer beautiful things to something beautiful or that seems beautiful, you know, um, I think this fulfilled. Uh, I think this was a it, in a way it was kind of a prefigurement, if you want to say, of a or it came from a good instinct, and uh, and I and and it it doesn't it seems more innocent than anything else, and uh, I feel like becoming well jumping head, but I feel like becoming. Catholic, you know, it. I, I look back now and I say, mm. this is what I was looking for. Yeah. So it was the innocence of a child looking for something more. Yeah, yeah. Something and something fundamental. Um, I I love I love our Protestant brothers and sisters, and um, I love the church that I grew up in. But I uh, I don't. The truth of the mass, if you can say this, the truth of the mass aside, I don't think that man can go without ritual. I think that there's a deep need for that. And uh, I think even though I had good Bible preaching, great spiritual direction from my minister, who was a wonderful, wonderful man, I, um, he's still active in ministry, and my parents were just wonderful, very supportive of my, uh, you know, of my spiritual formation in the Presbyterian Church, not knowing that this was going on mm-hmm. at the same time. But um, what was it about the idols and the? rituals that you were buying from this wicker store, what was it about that that you thought, I can't let my parents into this? You must have had a sense that this was bad, or did you just think this was weird, not necessarily bad, and they wouldn't understand it? Why did you hide it from them? I think I I know now that they wouldn't have minded, but I think I liked the idea of it being a secret. I think I liked the idea of being, you know, the secret pagan that was sneaking out into the woods and you know might be persecuted if anyone found mm-hmm. out. My parents would have been, I mean, I think that they would have obviously had some objections, but they wouldn't have, you know, they wouldn't have castigated me or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's a quick, that's a quick transition from visiting a wicker store with a friend in middle school to ritual books and, and things like that. Was there much progression there or did she kind of introduce you to it? Yeah. Did you buy books that look cool and then learn how to do the rituals yourself? Yeah. Yeah, and that was—I mean, I did have that was you know that was the first time around that time was the first time we had the internet in our house, and so I looked up a lot of the stuff on there. I see. Yeah. Um, I, I was pretty infatuated with this girl, mm. so I think a lot. I think that the, the the my my lifelong love of Greek mythology, um, kind of, uh, it, I was like you know oh this I want to impress this girl. Um, this is kind of and that was kind of the expression that I got out of it. Or the, the 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 way that I found of kind of connecting with her and mm-hmm. and being part of her world, uh, and so it's. But I didn't I I didn't initially have any interest in you know what we would call magic like Wiccan type magic. I mean, all pagan rituals are kind of magic. They're always you're always you know saying to the gods, "This is I'll give you this if you give me that," or "I'll give you this offering if you 
you know, if you don't smite me, mm-hmm. you know, usually it's in historically it was mostly fear. It was, you know, you make offerings to the gods so that they don't send another Greek na- nation state to kill you. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, at first it was, uh, I just wanted to have a relationship with something transcendent and, um, and taking the, the love of Greek mythology and, and bringing it together with the, with the Wicca um, was, uh, was kind of the first expression that I found for that. And then how did it develop? or regress or however you want to phrase it yeah well the first so i had um i had a dev- particular devotion to um to pan at first and then apollo and i was really fascinated by the idea of healing spells and uh, or you know use of ritual to to heal and so when i started to go into true you know magic um, white magic as it's called because it's supposed to be benevolent um, I was, I started doing rituals for healing to try to, I wanted to be a healer, which again, I think is part of the innocence, you know? Mm. Um, and, uh, and I probably don't, I don't want to go probably into too much detail about what that looked like, but I, uh, it was efficacious. It, you know, and I, and I, I, uh, I would stand by that. I mean, I think that the, I, I believe that there was um, that something happened. I, I, I witnessed stuff happen um, as a middle schooler. This was probably getting into high school. Okay. Yeah, um, but I was. Uh, yeah. I, it, so it you was, realized at some point this isn't just make believe. This isn't just nerdy things. There's some. This affects things. I wasn't surprised when it worked because I did believe it. I've and I think this is going back to. The, I think that I you know um, mm. I think that I for whatever reason. Um, from the time that I, I think recognizing the the truth in uh, in the supernatural, um, I, immediately it clicked. I've never doubted the supernatural. This this is something that I've nothing that happens really surprises me in the spiritual world um, because you know I, I don't know why, but for whatever reason my temperament my I uh, it's something that I I believe in more than the natural. And so when these things started to work, it was, it wasn't so much a, uh, oh, wow, this stuff is real. It was more of a, yeah, I'm getting really good at this. This Mm. is cool. So I'm not going to make you share what you don't want to share, but do you mind me asking why it is you don't want to go into detail? Um, I, I, I'm always, uh, I'm always worried about encouraging people that because, um, one of the, when I, so if I can just take a, a, a quick segue, I've, I've, I've wanted to talk about this for years. And um, hope, hoping to help people, mm. and my my old priest, who was a wonderful, wonderful fraternity priest, I love him to death. He he urged me not to for a couple of reasons, one of which was that um, if I relive it too much, he said you could get sucked back into it. If your experiences were real, you know the demons are never going to right be very far from you. Right, and uh, so he so he doesn't he I I totally understand that I had a. I had a conversation with my current spiritual father and um, he, he, he gave me the go ahead. He said, if God is putting this on your heart, then you should, you should do it. Um, I wouldn't have done it otherwise. I wonder if this is similar to say other sort of obsessions people get into, say with pornography, you know, there's a way to talk about one's experience with pornography without glorifying it. And you don't want to speak or let's say just a hedonistic lifestyle. And you can tell me if it's totally different, right? But I know when I'm say sharing how I came to Christ, I, I want to maybe point out the road I was going down, 
mm-hmm. but I don't want to speak about it in a way that others would think, oh, gee, that's that sounds kind of cool, fun. I want to yeah. do that. Is it like that or is it maybe that on steroids or is it different? Yes. I um, I can't imagine myself ever going back to that, but my priest knows better than I do. And if I could get sucked back into it knowing what I do now, um, I would hate for anyone yeah. who has the whisper yeah. to... Uh, to, for me to encourage them, all, yeah. I mean, I'd I'd rather just say that it um, stuff happened. Yep, that's fine. Uh, you know, yeah. I, one of the reasons I thought this conversation was so important to have uh, is that it seems that as Christianity evaporates from American culture and other cultures around the world, um, there's a vacuum there, and that vacuum seems to be being filled by New Age spirituality. And I mean. I think all of us realize there's been a rise in Satanism. Like we've been hearing a lot more about it. And I think this rushes to take its place. So I'm, I'm, I think that this will be by God's blessing, you know, um, a grace to those who may go down that road or maybe currently tempted or who. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm still, I mean, I think especially because healing is, um, I think a lot of people in desperation, especially with, with illness turn to, can, can be tempted to turn to certain things. It, it's, it, it reminds you of Thomas Aquinas's point that we don't commit evil for the sake of evil. We we commit evil because we perceive it to be a good. It's yeah. why people go to tarot card readers and yeah. use Ouija boards. They're trying yeah. to attain information that they think would benefit them or others. Yes. Yeah. I uh, I did I did both those things. Mm. Yeah. And um, yeah. I, uh, no, please. Did you then share these experiences with friends or family, or did you keep them to yourself? Yeah, I, I did. I um, at that point, I didn't have a ton of friends. Most of the friends that I had were involved with this stuff, mm. uh, and and I did, and I, you know, they were impressed, and we would sort of compare notes and see the Vesper was talking about this yeah. when she was on your show. Yeah, it's um, did it that was, surprise you at all to hear her powerful stories? No. Yeah. No. I wept like the whole time. I love that woman. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And for, I those, my... for those watching, if you haven't seen my interview with uh, Vespa Stamper on her conversion from Wicca, please go watch it. It was glorious. My wife was, uh, I, I, my, I told my wife before we got married that I, that all this stuff happened and, but I, I didn't go into detail for the obvious reason, the reason that I explained, but, um, when she, we were watching it together and I think it hit her like what it was like for me mm. and uh and she you know she was she she wept too she uh because it resonated so much and um that yeah that child that childish experimentation and um you know wanting power wanting acceptance and it it in it, a i feel that there's a part of me that doesn't want to, I know there's a part of me that doesn't want to go into detail too, because people are going to say, oh, he was just a stupid kid. He thought he was doing stuff that he wasn't, which might be true. I mean, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a reliable narrator, but uh, it felt, it felt real. And I know that the stuff that happened later was, was real. I mean, I, I would, uh, if someone wants to say I didn't, I wasn't a good magician. Okay. But if they, when we get into the Satanist stuff, if anyone wants to say, oh, that's all I would, I would, I would push back hard on that. Um, but we can, yeah, yeah, we can go into that. Okay. Um, yeah. So I, um, in the course of, I, so, you know, my, the, the circle that I had at that time where they were, um, they were into white magic. They were, I mean, I do believe really, really good people, you know, mostly younger people, 
just trying to, you know, little love spells and stuff for, for the, the girls. And then I was into the healing stuff. And, uh, but then as I, I got really interested in, t- in, um, in rune casting, rune spells, and then I found demonic sigils. Can you explain both of those things to me? Yeah. So runes, I mean, you, people probably know what runes mm-hmm. are. They're ancient symbols that have, um, that have power or are supposed to have, they probably do have power. Um, but sigils are symbols that you draw as part of ritual magic to summon demons. And every demon has his own sigil. Um, Were you referring to them as demons at the time? Yeah. I mean, demon, I don't, I don't actually know the exact etymology, but demon is very closely related to the word daemon, D-A-E-M-O-N, which is um, a, a kind of powerful force. And so for me and for a lot of people that are not, at that point, I was not a Satanist. I was probably some kind of Wiccan, I guess. And uh, for people that, that practice white magic with de- demons, um, demons, they, uh, it, it, they, they don't consider them evil. They consider them uh, more like natural spirits, um, but particularly natural spirits that, are, that have been identified by Christianity as, you know, particularly powerful evil. So there's, there's obviously a draw there. Mm-hmm. If you're, if you're kind of rebelling against a, a Christian upbringing, you know, you, you gravitate towards that. And it's, you know, it's like, oh, it's not, they're not really demons. They're actually, mm-hmm. and this is the, um, I, I had a, uh, I don't even know if I want to say their names. I won't say their names. I had, I had, I had relationships with, um, spiritual relationships with a few different demons and then what does I, that mean i don't think i should probably talk about it okay is it like a person who would think they have a relationship with a saint or an, a guardian angel or something like that or is it much more involved at first yeah it was more like that it was more like that i mean there was um there was there was there was presence and then uh but then i i worked my way up to lucifer and uh and lucifer obviously you know in the luciferian tradition um which is uh it's it's the belief that lucifer is you know that he's kind of a promethean hero he rebels against god he brings light he's the the morning star right and he's always depicted as this beautiful angel um kind of cold and haughty but that's because he has power and um, he gives you this power and so i uh Eventually, I, I became pretty much just uh, exclusively a Luciferian, and I uh, and I remember you know being in high school, and uh, I I I can still I could still do it. I mean, I I drew <laughs> I drew the sigil of Lucifer on my notebooks the way a schoolgirl would draw for the name of her crush. Mm. Like my I, I they're probably in my parents' basement. I had notebooks, math notebooks, and history notebooks, and English notebooks covered with the sigil of Lucifer. And I was, I was absolutely, you know, I was like, yeah, it was like a crush. I was infatuated with Lucifer. Mm. And, um, and this, uh, this eventually, you know, again, through the, the influence of the internet, um, it developed, I, I developed into a Satanist, a theistic, what they call traditionalist or theistic Satanist, as opposed to a Levian Satanist. Could you tell us the difference yeah so levian satanism is if you if you read about the church of satan in the news they're yeah. levian satanists they claim not to believe in a literal satan but satan as right. a uh, as a symbol of human freedom and of uh, rebelling against christian morality 
Um, but then there's a, a different path called theistic Satanism or traditional Satanism, um, which believes in Satan, li- literally believes in Satan, takes the side of darkness. Um, and it's a, it's kind of a, it's an interesting um, bait and switch mm. because you come, I think, and I've talked to people that I've had the same experience. They come to Lucifer because they want light and then they find themselves going into darkness and they're craving the darkness. And uh, I, I mean, I'm not going to pretend like I was some great, you know, dark philosopher, like, you know, something out of Lovecraft. Um, I, but I, I was like a punk, right? I was just a punk kid. And uh, I bought, you know, I, I had a sweatshirt that I got from, uh, from Spencer's that had the sigil of Baphomet on the back. Mm. And uh, I was like, I was all dark and grungy and I was, you know, very proud of my Satanism. And I talked about it too. At this Anyone point, that would listen. At this point, did your parents intervene? No, I, uh, I, I, I don't know what they thought. I, I didn't really, I didn't really talk to them about it. I've, I'm not a very good son. I think that that's one of the, one of the pitfalls of being a really good parent and, and, uh, and, and making sure that your children always know that you love them is that they take liberties with that. And I've taken horrible liberties with my parents' love my whole life. And, uh, and I don't, I think at this, I think at this point, you know, I was kind of, I wasn't, I wasn't going to talk to them about it openly, but I think that they, they probably thought that I was going through an emo phase or goth phase. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't think that they, they knew how literally to take it. Mm. But, um, and at this point, you know, I was, I was kind of shunning my old, you know, Wiccan friends. Um, I thought that they were, you know, weak because they were only interested in the, the, the white magic. And I, I honestly, you know, I, yeah, I, uh, it became less about the ma- I did still practice magic, but it became less about the magic and more about the worship of Satan. And I, I don't know. People listening to this, this might, this might not make any sense. But it was, uh, it was just I, I became so consumed by this personality, and I think that I don't know if the person is the right word. I think they say that angels are persons, yes. right? Yes. And it was a personality, and I had a relationship with this personality, and um, and I remember. When I was one, you know, I, you know, one day I was in my room and I, I lit the the red candles and I, um, and I was doing a, a prayer and, um, and I, uh, and I, um, I said, I, I don't even know if I want to, probably should say the, I, 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 I told Satan, you know, I don't want to sell you my soul. I said, just take it. Mm-hmm. take it. I love you. I want mm-hmm. you to have this. I want mm-hmm. you. Yeah. And, um, I think we'll go into this, but I think at the end, that's probably what saved me. <laughs> um, or at least allowed God to keep a, a foot in the door. But, um, because it was taken, not given or because, uh, I don't think Satan can't do anything with love. Satan doesn't want love. Um, he, Father Amort said that Satan doesn't have children because he can't create, he can't love. Satan doesn't want children, he wants slaves. And uh, and I think, you know, as John the Beloved says, God is love. And if you're, and I think as long as you're trying, as you're looking, oh, and Mother Ileana says in her, her beautiful book, she says, we're born searching for the face of love. Mm. And I think at that point I was still looking for love and then Satan couldn't give me that. And, um, mm. and he couldn't do anything with the love that I was giving him. By the way, if there are any exorcists watching this and I'm doing something wrong, please forgive me. 
But um, I, uh, I, I, I remember the first time I read the uh, the Chronicles of Narnia, and I know you don't like these. No, I like them. Books. I oh. like some of them for my kids. Yeah. <laughs> the um, yeah. in the last battle where um, what is it? Emeth, the worshiper of Tash. Okay. The good, um, Kellermine. Um, When Tash is exposed as a, as an evil, um, and Emmeth comes before Aslan, and he's she says, "Oh God, now I'm going to be smoten by <laughs> the good God, right?" And um, and Aslan says, "You know, you, you, whatever good you did in Tash's name, you did in my name, because you can't do good in the name of evil." So to mm. you know, so to speak, and I and I and I re I remember reading that and and uh, I have the gift of tears, let them and flow, just, brother, and just weeping <laughs> and and thinking, I, you know, that's what I think. I think that's what say. I think when I when I I think I think when I said, you know, Satan, I love you. I want to give myself to you. I take my soul. I don't want. I don't want anything in return. <laughs> I think God said, oh, and he kind of snuck snuck his foot in the door and said, you know, this is, hmm. this is my opening. And, um, yeah. So th thank God, because I, eventually I did fall in with a very different, a very different group. Did and you maintain this relationship with the girl from middle school? No, no. spurned her, okay. spurned everyone, spurned my parents. And, uh, but I, I fell in with this other group and I, um, most, most, I, I, I don't know if most, some magic, Groups are not united by like a common cosmology. They're united by, uh, by a desire for power for to practice magic together. Magic is more powerful when you practice it together. They say it's probably true. And uh, and so I fell in with this other group that was more that was interested in black magic. And um, some were Satanists, some weren't. Some were just Wiccans who were interested in dark, and some were, um, oh, there's a term for it. It's a, uh, it's a different, it's, it's kind of like an atheistic magic sect. It's going to come to me later. But, uh, so we were, we were united by the kind of, the kind of ritual, the kind of magic we wanted to do, not by a common belief system. And, um, and I was involved with this group for a while and, uh, and I, you know, was going through the ranks and, um, and then the, the, but the final initiation, no one was supposed to talk about unless they, uh, unless they'd been through it. And the, I remember a friend of mine in the group went through the ritual and it was, uh, then he, he told me afterwards, he came to me, he looked, he looked, he was, I mean, he was in his teens and he looked like, he looked like an old man. He was haggard. He was, you know, pale. He was sickly. He could, he couldn't make eye contact with me. And uh, he said, I went through the, the final initiation and I said, oh, and he said, I, he said, I need to tell you what happens and I can't talk about what happens, but, um, it's horrible. It's, it was horrible. It wasn't, I don't think it was anything criminal. Um, but it was, uh, it was pretty, well, it probably was, I don't know. Shouldn't I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to save you from any, I don't know, legal problems, but it was, uh, it was terrible. And, um, and I was, and I, I, I was like, I'm getting out. I don't want, I don't want anything mm -hmm. to do with this. And, uh, 
And it and years later, I thought about this when I was reading the Chesterton's essay, The Diabolist, where the where his friend, the Satanist, says, you know, if I if and he he says he's he's listening to this this evil art student talk to one of his friends, and um, and he doesn't hear what the other person proposes to the Diabolist, but the Diabolist says, um, if if I did, if I, if I do this, I shan't know the difference between right and wrong anymore. And it was like a, it was a moment like that for me when I realized as much as I think that I love evil, I don't love this. I don't want anything to do with this. And, um, and so I got out, I just stopped talking to those people. I, uh, I, I stopped answering phone calls and, and text messages. I didn't, I, and I, I get though I, I, I pretty much, I gave the whole thing up completely. Um, I burned my copy of all of my, uh, all of my ritual books. I threw away all of the, the garb and all of my, you know, Spencer's punk Satanist clothing. And, and I, were you uh, afraid that not going through the final initiation or burning the books, cutting off your relationships, would ruin the relationship you had with the demonic that you had come to obsess over and desire? Or did you not want that relationship anymore? I didn't want it anymore. Yeah. And I don't, I don't, it, I don't, I don't remember it as a, a moment of saying, oh my gosh, this was all, it took me, I mean, get into this. It took me, it took me about a year to realize how bad it had been. But I, I think that there was a part, again, I think there was a part of me that was still just looking for truth and beauty. And, uh, and that, and so I, I, I remember it as more of a, uh, oh man, I really got off course. Let me try something else. You know, mm. um, I've struggled with my lack of guilt, my ever, ever since I've struggled with a lack of guilt. And I've had, that's been a lot of the spiritual direction that I've gone through. And, um, my priests have said, my very good priests have said, you know, you've, you've been to confession, you've been forgiven. He's, I said, yeah, but St. Francis of Assisi wept over his sins every night. And they said, that was a grace. Um, you know, God doesn't necessarily want you to feel that sorrow. He wants you to feel forgiven. He wants you to feel lightness. And, um, but at that point I, uh, I have to trust that. But at that point I, um, I didn't, I, I, it was, uh, it was, I was, I was horrified and disgusted by what had, by what he told me. Um, and I, and it, it kind of shattered my illusions about black magic and, and not that I, again, I still believe that it, something happens. I mean, I remember, I remember the, the, when I, when I gave, when I, when I surrendered myself to Satan, I remember this, again, the bait and switch. I, um, oh, I don't probably shouldn't talk about that either. I saw, I had my first personal encounter with a demon and it was, and it was hideous. And, uh, and this is how, I mean, this is the stupidity that, I think is manifest at every point in this story, but I wasn't, I wasn't horrified. I wasn't surprised and I wasn't horrified. Um, I thought I was so grateful that he finally showed me his true face, which mm. is, which is evil and, uh, and just in, in, in hideous. Um, but I think it was, it was when it, 
intersected with the when I when it it when it became it became real. For, I mean, really real for me when I I realized what other people were doing. Mm. It was in my. It seemed like it was something that was just happening in my head to me, not in my head, but just in my. Um, I don't know. This does this make sense at all? Um, say no. No. Well, is it, you're talking about like how you were processing these experiences and your kind of subjective experience of it all. And you were wondering if others had the same thing. Maybe I'm not understanding. It's hard to, it's a little hard to describe. Um, Try it again. I think that there was a Gnosticism. There is always a Gnosticism with magic. And I think that the, the spiritual darkness is very attractive I mean, sometimes the physical, I'm not, the, sometimes the physical darkness is what's really attractive. You know what I mean? It's like the, uh, there, there are very good people that have very disordered physical, sexual, whatever mm-hmm. desires, people that don't want them, people that shun them, but are yet drawn to them. Yeah. I'm not, you know, thank God I, I'm not, I shouldn't say this because this is where the, you know, this is when the devil goes at you, but, but I don't, you know, I don't really struggle sexual sins or physical that's i've always struggled with spiritual sins like this and um and i so the 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 separation of the body and the soul i i was uh i was so immersed in the spiritual darkness and i was drawn to that and i was feeding into it but when it when the um when it became i don't know how to describe this without going into too much detail but there was uh there was a, a a ritual sexual aspect of this Mm -hmm. initiation and um that disgusted me and it wasn't it was i mean it's 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 yeah it's probably worse than you could imagine um and so i was i had been i had been drawn to the darkness but i was in the the spiritual darkness but i was repulsed by the by what by this part of it okay um and because uh, you said you were coming up the ranks within a particular group um, and it's, I suppose, surprising to me that the final initiation was so grotesque it turned you off completely. I would think that it would be something of a gr- kind of a gradual process into, no. I had no idea. We were doing, I mean, we were still doing um, just rit- magic rituals. There wasn't the, um, the sexual aspect was only for the, the, the initiates. Mm-hmm. Um, I think probably because they didn't want you know, the faint of heart to run off and talk about what they were doing. Mm. And I probably should have told someone, but, um, it was, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I didn't realize that that was a part of it. And I guess I should have knowing, having read about what happens in medieval black masses, right? Yeah. There's always a sexual aspect. Yeah. And, um, and that was not, that wasn't what drew me to it. And I didn't, I didn't expect it to be in a part of it, but of course it was. I mean, I guess it was inevitable. I'm just processing this now, but yeah. I, I guess inevitably it had to become sexual. Um, but it was, uh, it didn't occur to me. And so this was the, that was the final initiation. It was, a, a, and, um, and that I'd never had any interest in that. And mm-hmm. it, it still disgusted me and I, I wanted nothing to do with it. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, that's probably a very unsatisfying answer. That's but okay. I don't know how to, I don't know how to go into it in any more detail without. That's okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you cut off relationship with these folks. Yeah. You burnt your punk satanic t-shirts and things. Or got yeah. rid of them. Burnt the books. 
Um, did you ever read the Satanic Bible, and yeah. what is that? Um, the Satanic Bible is a Levian Satanist text. Okay. So um, it's not. I did own a copy. Um, I found a cop. I found a copy of my when I, a girl that I dated later after I had my reversion. I found a copy in her apartment, and I was like, "What is this?" And she said, "Oh, I was just having a look through." And I I threw it in the trash. I said, "You don't want this in your life." I said, "This is." This is a very slippery slope, and I, I do believe I do, I am okay. I am a hundred percent certain that the higher levels of the Church of Satan and people like, um, what's his name, Lucius Grimes. That sounds like something from a cartoon, but he's got a, he's he's a, he's he's the head of the Church of Satan or some or the Satanic Temple in Massachusetts. Thursdays on it. Yeah. Anyway, he. Um, I'm certain that he's a theistic Satanist and he's tricking people okay. into um, thinking that, oh, you know, Satan is just a symbol of freedom. He's the one that's erecting all those Baphomet statues. Lucius it, Greaves. Lucian? Lucian Greaves. Yeah. And he's, yeah. he's the guy that looks like a cartoon villain. Yes. You've seen yeah, pictures yeah, yeah, of this yeah. guy. Have, yeah. Yeah. Yes. He's an American, is he? Yes. Uh, I think so. I've never heard him speak. But you see he's from Massachusetts. Born so. Detroit, Michigan. Okay. He's based in Salem. His group's based in Salem. They were just firebombed last year i didn't feel that bad i shouldn't say that world's smallest by no one died if someone died yeah. that would be sad yeah if the satanic temple is destroyed yeah um but he i mean i'm i i'm certain that he's a theistic uh, satanist oh yeah yeah, yeah he believes anyone at the higher levels believes because they'll encounter it at some point they'll know um so is there like a conversion experience that often happens between say it again look Levian? Levian Satanists yeah. to theistic Satanists as they get deeper into it? I, I, I mean, I've never... There are, other, um, there are other converts from Satanism to Christianity that have talked about their conversion. Uh, I've, tried not, I've tried to steer clear. Mm -hmm. um, they might have some insight. I was never a Levian Satanist because um, it, it's, it's technically atheistic and mm -hmm. I, I don't believe that. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I just imagine that as you begin to encounter the supernatural... As you delve into this, yeah, it's a little bit more difficult to deny. They, I don't see how they couldn't, yeah, because they do black masses. They do, you know, old black <laughs> masses um, with all the trimmings, you yeah. know. And there's, I mean, there's photographs. There's like, there's texts that you could any. Well, um, they're open about it, yeah. And um, you can't. Oof. And this is the thing: you can't. I know, yeah. You, um, you can't. This is why exorcists always say, "Don't mess with Ouija boards. Don't mess with tarot," because if you if you invite if you invite demons into your life, um, they'll come, and they won't care if you're kidding or not. They'll just come. Okay. Keep going. I'm just I'm looking for something. Um, were you ever possessed? And if not, why not? The uh, my my uh, after I made my first confession years later, that was the first question my uh, my priest asked me. Was um you know do you do you want to talk to an exorcist? Mm -hmm. And I said I don't I don't feel the need. I would I would tell you if I did. I mean the, I, they say the classic signs of um of possession are well you know besides the 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 the, the vomiting nails which does happen um are you can't you you physically can't receive the sacrament of uh, confession and you physically can't receive the Eucharist and I did that. Say that again. Oh if I see I yeah. see. So I, yeah. I mean, I, I, I could be demonically. I think it's oppressed. Yeah, 
um, but I was never possessed. And, it, and and that's, I think, the very simple reason is that... Um, he, he already possessed you in a deeper way, maybe. They do about be possession it. being at least the exorcist I've spoken to when the demon has the body, but not yeah. necessarily the soul. And that's why one exorcist said to me that one confession is worth a hundred thousand exorcisms. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, you know, it's Satan will possess or not possess people, um, depending on, you know, what, whether he thinks that it will, uh, it will serve his ends or not. But, uh, a lot of the times, this is a father Amort also said that, um, oftentimes possessions, um, while obviously terrible in themselves, mm-hmm. um, will lead many people to the church. The person who's possessed will all of a sudden realize that there's a supernatural dimension. And, uh, and then the, they're oftentimes their families will convert because they'll see the power, the reality of, of the devil and the power of the church. And, uh, and so it's, it doesn't always, so Satan isn't necessarily going to possess everyone who, um, who gives him the opportunity. He'll mm. use them. You know, sometimes that could in, perhaps be counterproductive for him. Mm. Um, like you say, I mean, he doesn't, he just wants you to go to hell. He doesn't really care how you get there. He'll mm. use any means. Um, and you know, the, the gate that leads to salvation is very narrow. There's lots of different roads that lead to damnation. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I was already on the road and he didn't need to mess with that formula. I had, you know, I, can we say a prayer? Yes. Would you mind if I just read this prayer? Which one? The demonic? It's, it's prayers against demonic influence. I say it every day. Yeah. In the name of the father, son, and Holy spirit. I'm in almighty God who delivered your people from the bondage of the adversary and through your son cast down Satan like lightning deliver us also from every influence of evil and unclean spirits command Satan to depart far from us by the power of your only begotten son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Rescue us from demonic imaginings and darkness. Fill us with the light of your Holy Spirit that we may be guarded against all the snares of the cunning demons. Grant that your angel will always go before us and lead us in the path of righteousness all the days of our life so that we may give glory and honor to your most holy name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, now and always and forever and ever. Amen. All right, I want to say thank you to Emmaus Academy. They've put out this brand new digital platform to help you grow in your love of sacred scripture and therefore your love of Christ. If you're like me, you know how tempting it is just to waste so much of your day on YouTube, like maybe you're doing now, or listening to political podcasts and other things. The truth is we do often have the time to grow in our knowledge and love of scripture. We just need a helping hand. And that's what this brand new digital learning platform is going to help you do. It has short courses on scripture that you can take. You can learn from Dr. Scott Hahn, uh, Dr. John Bergsma, Father Boniface Hicks, many more. I've been on this platform. I have a subscription to it. And um, I mean it when I say it's actually really excellent and it'll help you love scripture. I think a lot of us want to love scripture, but we find... We fight, we, I don't know, we, we feel guilty that we don't love it as much as we should. Platforms like this will help you do that. So click the link in the description, stpaulcenter.com slash Matt and sign up. When you sign up, you get two weeks free to the entire platform. I mean, think about how many times you and I have sub- subscribed to say Hulu or something else. 
um, when we could be doing something like this and growing in our love of scripture. So again, stpaulstandercom slash Matt, go sign up today, you get two weeks for free. If you don't think it's worth it after that time, cancel it, you won't be charged a cent, but I think you'll be really impressed with what you see. All right, so where did you, um, where did we, so you burnt your books, good for you. Yeah, not, I, not, not all of them at first, and this is the, again, I didn't, uh, in retrospect, it seems so linear. But I mean, I didn't, I didn't get rid of my Greek pagan statues. Mm. Uh, I didn't go back to that, but I, um, I didn't think that that was part of the problem. I didn't see the, I didn't see that it was all connected. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, uh, I eventually, I became a, I, I decided to try Buddhism, just, you know, going to the next thing. And there was a Buddhist temple in Haverhill for some reason that met in some, you know, the, the priest's apartment. And, uh, I, uh, I was a Buddhist for you know, a fair while. Um, how old were you at this point and how long did that last? The time I get so... That's okay. But uh, late teenagers, uh, teenagers yeah, still I mean, in high school? Yeah, high school. Yeah. And that, I mean, I guess, I mean, the, I say a fair while. It was, you know, it, it was, it was a brief phase. It was, but it was enough that I, I wasn't really thinking about the Satanist stuff anymore. And it was, uh, it wasn't, you know, it, it, it wasn't a part of my life. It wasn't a part of my, um, my, you know, my, short-term memory you know what i mean mm-hmm. and i thought i thought i'd moved on i thought that i was it was as you know it was as simple as um as just walking away from it and um and like you said i mean what we're talking about i in yeah it's amazing that it, it didn't it hasn't bothered me more it, it it has certainly has it has had lingering effects i mean i um every i've never talked about this at this length with anyone partially because i don't I still don't know how to talk about it. And to the point about that disclaimer, like I'm still not totally convinced that this is the right thing to do, but my, the people that I trust, my spiritual um, fathers have, have said that if God's putting it on your heart, you should try to help people in any way that, you know, and um, yeah, but it is, it is remarkable that I, I guess I have, it hasn't had more of a, an impact on my later life, but uh, that's, that's God's grace. And that was, and that's, I think that's part of why I feel like I can talk about it. I mean, I got, cause my, someone asked me, you know, aren't you afraid of demonic attack? And I hadn't thought about it, but I thought, well, God's, God protected me without asking him to, you know, he was always, he was always there protecting me. Mm. Um, and I don't know how, I don't know why some people are protected and others are not. Um, but he's always taken very good care of me. Uh, like I said, I'm a very, I'm a very bad son. I'm a very bad son to my, my, my natural parents, but I'm also a very bad son to God. I don't, I'm not nearly as grateful f- to him as I should be, but, um, mm. it hasn't been, a, it hasn't been something that, um, has had any lingering as far as I mm-hmm. can tell. Yeah. Was it, I mean, you talked about your initial obsession with Lucifer mm-hmm. and it was like this relationship. Was there a sense of breaking up? Oh, that's a great question. Did you miss it as a Buddhist? I was, uh, when you asked me to send you an email with a brief rundown of, uh, of my story and so we could talk about it, you know, and I was going through, I'd, I'd never really, I'd never sat down and thought about it. 
since it happened. I'd never, you know, especially after I became, because my, my first priest, when I told him all of this, he said, as my other priest did, put it out of your mind. Don't think about it. That's don't give the demons an opening. And I remember when I, uh, when I was writing you the email and, uh, I felt it come back a little bit. What, what did you feel come back? The, um, the attraction. Yeah. And in a weird way, the love and, uh, the infatuation, I guess it's not, it wasn't love. It was infatuation, but, and, um, I was, I was, you know, I probably shouldn't go into too much detail, but it wasn't, I didn't indulge in anything obviously, but I was, uh, my, my, my mind just started getting carried away by it. And, um, and then I, I kind of snapped back and I said, Oh, that's what he meant. That's what my priest meant. It's not going to go away. And, uh, it was, yeah, I, I, it, in a way it did, it did, uh, it was, it was like, a, it was, it felt like a kind of a, I missed him. I missed what I thought we had, like a first love, you know, it was, it felt like, it, in a way, it felt like a shattered illusion. I knew that I, I knew that it was kind of a dead end, and it was, I knew that wasn't what I was looking for. But um, I mean, I'd be lying if I said I, yeah. I don't still. It doesn't still come back. Yeah. I guess it does. I didn't expect it to. Yeah. Um, but we should probably sure. How did you go from Buddhism to accepting Christ? I stopped going to Bible camp for obvious reasons, but I'd gone to a great Presbyterian Bible camp. Uh, in New Hampshire, from my my, my 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 mother went there, my aunts and uncles went there, I went there. My mom was the nurse, and I yeah stopped going for obvious reasons. But when I became a Buddhist, I uh, I was like, oh, that was fun. So I decided to go back, and uh, as a CIT, what's and that? A counselor in training. Okay. Yeah. So I was. Uh, they didn't know. Probably shouldn't have. If they had known, I, I was a bad choice. Yeah. But it's not their fault. I don't want anyone that's watching this that uh, knows the camp. They didn't, they knew nothing. But uh, I was, um, yeah, I was a Buddhist. And, uh, but being, being back, I, I had always loved this camp and I had always felt so close to Christ there. And, uh, and then going back, I realized that what I'd been looking for, I'd had all along. And, you know, it's, Things like retreats and, and and Bible camps are so special. You know, you wish you could just take that with you everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, you wish it was. You wish you never had to leave retreat. You wish you never had to leave. And um, part of that's a childish. You know, camp's fun, but but part of it, looking back, I still whenever I need to refresh myself, um, I think about that and I listen to the the worship songs that mm-hmm. we sang at at Bible camp. And I and I remember sitting on the cots and and studying scripture, and. Uh, and going back into that, yeah, it was, it was, you know, it was like, it was like coming home. It was coming, you know, it was coming home. And, uh, and I remember we, I was the CIT for, you know, three weeks and I, uh, I was slowly, you know, <laughs> I realized that, you know, meditation had, mind clearing meditation has nothing on, you know, 
worshiping oh, the real God. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I, at first, you know, I was just, and I say, you know, I say, I say worship just because at first I wasn't, I wasn't doing it as a Christian or I wasn't thinking of it as a, as a true religion. I was just having a lot of fun. Mm. And, uh, and then over the course of the month, I, it, i I felt my heart softening and I was, you know, doing some soul searching and, then we went all the uh, the the CITs and uh, I think some of the older campers went on a uh, a trip to the the pastor that led the camp. He has a house on Cape Breton Island, and we went mm. up there and we were rafting in Canada. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, most most Presbyterians in New England are Canadians. Oh, really? <laughs> it's like the Canadian ethnic religion. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and so we went to uh, we went to his house and. And he was just a wonderful, wonderful pastor. I love him to death. I still have the, he gave me his Bible after that. I told him all of this and I still have it. I cherish it. He was a total hippie. It's called the green Bible. Someone can I look it up. It. The, the cover's hemp. <laughs> all the passages that relate to ecology are in green text. Nice. There's no, there's no red letter for the words of Christ. There's just green. Right. Um, total, total hippie, but a wonderful guy. And, um, and I, I pulled him aside one night and I said, I said, Mark, I have to tell you something. And, uh, and I told, I, you know, I, I spilled my guts. And um, he listened to it, he cried. He said, you know, do you, do you want to be a Christian again? Or something like that. I said, yeah, I do. He said, do you want God to forgive you? I said, yes, I do. And he put his hand, he put his hand on my shoulder. He said, you've got it, brother. You got it. He said, he loves you. He said, he's not, he's not going to let you go over. He's not going to, you know, you, he, you, you, you tried to give your soul to the devil. You know, it's not his, everything's God's. And, uh, and it was such a relief. And that was um, my literal come to Jesus. And I, you know, I keep, when I read Faust, have you ever read Marlowe's no. Faust? Do you know this, this, the plot? No. There's a magician who sells his soul to a demon and, uh, and he, in exchange for wealth and, and women and stuff like that. And then finally um, Mephistopheles comes to collect his due and he's dragging right. Faust to hell. Yes. And the angels say, just repent, just repent. And Faust says, no, it's too late. It's too late. And they say, no, it's not. And they're begging with him to repent until the moment he's swallowed. And, um, and this is the, this is the, in the, you know, in the Eastern church, we talk about this, the metanoia, the turning back. Yeah. And it's, you know, when you, you, when the, uh, when the prodigal son turns back to the father, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't even get to his father's house yet. The moment he turns back, the father books it down the road. He's like, I got you. He's, he, he he doesn't even he doesn't even begin to apologize before the father starts rushing over with his cloak and his rings, and uh, and I, that was my uh, that was the moment that I you know I I, I still consider that you know I, I didn't become Catholic for years later but that was my that was my turning back that was when I I repented and the father just rushed it was like oh you're back I knew you'd be back and. Uh, yeah. So that was, um, so after that point I was, uh, 
again hadn't hadn't quite grappled yeah i i i was on the road i guess to catholicism but i i do consider that my my real the converse my my uh, my moment of repent my come to jesus moment during your satanist days did you hold any animosity towards christ i tried to uh-huh and this is what i mean i i uh I, I, I never, uh, I wanted to hate him more than I did. Um, I couldn't really, see, there was the idea that, you know, that I, I think I hated God. I hated what the Satanists believe about God. And what do Satanists believe about God? That he, you know, he, he oppresses us, he enslaves us, he, uh, he puts all these restrictions on our natural appetites that don't belong there and satan gives us freedom he lets us indulge he gives us power god calls us to be meek and and weak and uh Mm. and uh, i hated that of course that's not true but um i didn't hate i couldn't i couldn't really bring myself to hate i couldn't think of a reason to hate jesus (laughs) you know what i mean because he's he doesn't talk about that god and um Mm. i didn't really i didn't really think about it I was I I I I I hated the God. I hated who I thought was God. Um, but the this is I, this is what I mean. Like God, some somehow God was keeping me in at least in my peripheral vision f- on the right thing, and uh, I couldn't really bring myself to have anything against Jesus. Um, I know that there's emphasis on the Black Mass, say, yeah. and. Um, so as a Satanist, did you have any opinions about the Catholic Church, per se? I hated the... Uh, well, interesting. Um, my, uh, my grandparents were very anti-Catholic. I hated the Catholic Church before I was a Satanist. Um, that didn't change. What did you hate about Catholicism? I had... I had... I had a... I, I, this, okay, I'm, can I tell the whole story? Because I don't want to say this and then stop halfway because it's a, it's a beautiful story. When I was, um, my, my grandfather, who was my, my middle name is Warren. His name was Warren. He's my, he's the best friend I ever had, ever will have. And uh, he used to, he was the deputy fire chief in our city. And he loved to tell the story where um, when, they got, when the city got its first Italian mayor, um, and he, he didn't like him. He's a master mason. My grandfather was a master mason. He was all, mm. and, um, he said one day the chief, the, they, they, the fire department was having problems and my grandfather blamed, you know, the Irish and stuff. And so the, uh, so the, the, he called, the mayor called him in to his office and said, um, he said, deputy, what, what's wrong with the department? He said, do you want to know what the problem with the department is, mayor? He said, yeah, I do. And he, he said, I slammed my hands on his chest. He said, there's two GD many Roman Catholics. Mm. And uh, so we, I, I, I had an, so I had this prejudice. Kind of, yeah. You, yeah. But I have to, I have to tell the rest of the story. Yeah, please. Years later, after I'd become Catholic, my grandfather was dying and he was living with us. He had congestive heart failure. And I used to catch him watching EWTN in the middle of the night. He couldn't sleep. He was so afraid of death. He couldn't sleep oh. ever. And uh, he'd nod off in his chair for a couple of hours a night. But I'd catch him watching the Mass on EWTN. And then one day he said to me, um, he said, Mike, I want to go to confession. 
I said, why do you want to go to confession? <laughs> he said, I just feel like it's something I have to do. I said, I can call my priest. He said, would you? I said, yeah, of course. So you're Catholic at this point? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And so I brought him to uh, my one of, one of my priests at the time, Father Raymond Vandermortel, the Archdiocese of Boston. And um, I, I dropped him off. He couldn't drive. He could barely walk. And, uh, and I... <laughs> They were there, they were in there they were there for an hour just talking I don't I don't I mean they were they weren't in the confessional they were talking in the in a private room he couldn't go into a confessional um, but they they you know they were there for about an hour hmm. and then my grandfather came out tears tears and he got I helped him into the car I said, I said was it good and he said I want to start coming to mass with you. And that was on a, I think that was on a Wednesday. And then Saturday, he went into renal failure, slipped into a coma and died. And uh, <laughs> it was cool. Praise uh, the Lord. Yeah. And oh, Mother Angelica, we love you. Pray for us. Yeah. I, I know of at least one convert, you know, that she's helped to win from. Did he? Did you? Did he watch her as well, or just the mass? He was always watching EWTN. I, so I, she, he must have come across her. Yeah, yeah, she what was the kind woman. of person he would have liked. Yeah, it was awesome. It was amazing. Yeah, and I was, uh, I was worried about him because he wasn't just not Catholic. He didn't like the Catholic Church. He was mm. a master mason. Um, he was, he, he, I remember when he was first checked into the hospital, they asked, they, they said, you know, name, he gave his name, birthday, da, 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 religion. He said, I'm a Freemason. Mm. I said, I called him pal. He said, pal, you're not supposed to say that. He said, what? He's, I said, you're not supposed to say it's a religion. He says, but it is. I said, I know that. <laughs> I said, but you're not supposed to tell people. He said, oh, well, you know, I'm dying. So <laughs> what do I have to lose? So, uh, yeah, it was, um, yeah, I can't, I, uh, you know, I'll know, I, I can't, I couldn't be more grateful just for that, that assurance mm. that yeah he found it at the end. That's great. Yeah. So you had, you kind of had more of a prejudice against the Catholic church that wasn't based on factual things. Well, I didn't know. I just think it's weird because you don't, I imagine you don't have many groups of Satanists conducting black Baptist services, you right. know, but you do have them conducting yeah. black masses. And so I would imagine that Satanists have a particular opinion about the, the Catholic church. Oh but, yeah. Oh yeah. 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 I mean the Catholic, but th this is, I, I, I don't know. I don't want to go into this for a different reason, but I will. Okay. Um, I went, I went to Catholic schools for fifth grade through 12th and they were no offense to anyone listening to this. They were really liberal mm. Novus Ordo. Mm -hmm. Catholic schools, mm -hmm. and I uh, I grew up in one of those. Yeah, it was hopeless. And so I I read about what Satanists hated about the Catholic Church, that it was, <laughs> yeah. but like I never it's not there. I never <laughs> yeah. found it. Yeah, Gosh. I I uh, it was like you know oh it's patriarchal, it's oppressive, yeah. and uh, I was like not. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And um, so I I had a, a kind of an intellect. I you know I hated Pope Benedict. Because, you know, I hated, I would, like, I would, I hated the Catholic Church as a prejudice and I hated it in theory, but I was just going to, you know, come to the feast mm, of heaven. Uh, there wasn't much there for no us. No demons are getting scared of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I, 
you know, there are people that go to those masses that are much holier than I am. Sure. And I hate to say stuff like that, but sure. there was just no, there was no well, connection. Well, this was the tradition bequeathed to them. You know what I mean? Right. This yeah. is their tradition. Yes. A lot of us didn't have any choice. We were just given on eagle's wings without asking for it. Yeah, that was our school song. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, uh, yeah, I, so I, 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 I would have hated the Catholic Church if I'd encountered the traditional Catholic yes. Church. I know I would have. Yes. Um, I hated it in theory, but right. I never, I never encountered it. That's so funny because converts will say I loved it in theory and then I never encountered it. You hated it in theory and never encountered it. Yeah. 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 Let's take well, a break. Let's take sure. a break. And sure. then we'll come back and we'll talk about how you became Catholic. Sweet. Every one of us. We're going to have three people smoking in this room, so we'll have to see. So yeah, I know. We'll Hopefully have to see how bad it filters. Hopefully filters. your landlord doesn't watch this. Uh he's okay with it. All right. Steubenville. Are we good? Is he in is he too is he too far away from the camera or just yeah, come, in, come in a little bit, yeah. Right there Me? Yeah, just pull it pull down it a touch. Straight down. Yep. yep. Perfect. Sweet. All right. So Presbyterian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, By the way, does. everyone watching on Locals right now, feel free to put in comments into the post I posted about this interview, and I'll try to get some to some of the comments. Um, how did you How did you become a Catholic? The first um, The first meaty book that I read after my reversion was Mere Christianity. I found it in a bookstore hmm. in Canada when we were um, going back to visit family, and. Uh, I, the thing, and this is funny, I, the thing that grabbed me about it, I loved it. I loved everything about it, but I had a crisis because I think he uses the word sodomy in it or something. And I'd never, I'd never, I never realized that you could have, use a word like that and still be like a, a true intellectual Christian. It struck me because my, my church was, you know, fairly theologically orthodox but they we didn't talk about that stuff i think that was pro, more yankee reticence than anything else but like there was this guy talking and um, what, what did you find what did you not like about it well i would grow up you know my again my family was my family was republican church going but um you know it, i was i was from massachusetts and my schools were really liberal <laughs> what do you want from me yeah i was yeah. like i thought it's either something you don't talk about or you you love it and it's fantastic hmm. and uh and I, there was this guy that was like really down on it openly and was a, you know, clearly a very kind, good humored, brilliant. Um, and I, I, I've, to this day, that still strikes me that there was like, you know, there was the possibility to be um, something that, that, that there was, there was, there was clearly this like tradition of Christianity that mm. was, uh, I shouldn't say it wasn't just the, it wasn't just that, but it was um it was a it was a big part of it it was it, but it was also this kind of like the gentleness and the good humor and um that's it. all everyone's going to take away from this interview now i know <laughs> but uh it, it i realized that there was this whole other world this whole other kind of christianity that i hadn't uh that i hadn't been exposed to that was both intellectual beautiful but also countercultural and so i wanted to know more and so i started reading um a lot, all, every C.S. Lewis that I could read, and also T.S. Eliot, mm. his essays, as well as his poetry. I love his poetry too. I was, I went to Australia to, to become an Eliot scholar, mm. and uh, and so I, yeah, I was reading these, and I decided that I wanted to be an Anglo-Catholic. Okay, and so I became. Uh, I went to the local Episcopal church, which was also just flamingly liberal, 
pride flags. Mm-hmm. was not thrilled about that, but it was ritually, it was very beautiful. And then I discovered the Church of the Advent in Boston, which is a true conservative-ish. I mean, it's conservative. It's uh, It has an LGBT community. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it was, uh, yeah, so I, I, I did that, and I became an Anglo-Catholic. Um, I went to... Uh, when I went to Australia, I went to an Anglo-Catholic church. I, when I was, I did a brief stint in D.C., I went to an Anglo-Catholic church there. And, uh, and I was, you know, a very proud Anglo-Catholic. And, uh, and I, I got involved with a group that doesn't exist anymore called the Secular Society, which is a, a society for conservative traditional Anglicans um, in, the church, in, the, in the Episcopal Church. So there's lots of groups for conservative Anglicans, some in the Episcopal Church, some in the continuing Anglican movement. But this was a, the Secular Society was particularly oriented to sort of re-evangelizing the uh, the Episcopal Church, and um, and I was I was a very committed to the idea that you know I w- I love I felt I loved Eastern Orthodoxy, and I was very convinced that um, the the Anglican Church was the was the patristic. Church of the British Isles, and that you know by extension, America is Anglican territory, and so apostolic succession in the United States should reside in the Episcopal Church. This all sounds so nutty, talking about it now because mm-hmm. of how far gone the Episcopal Church is. But I believe this. I was yeah. like, this is this is the Church of the Anglo-Saxon world or whatever of the Anglosphere, and um, and so I was very and so I I had a particular bed bug about the ordinariate. I hated the ordinary because it was siphoning off all of these conservative Anglicans into the Catholic Church, which is the worst thing that mm. you could do. You know, the continuing Anglican movement is at least you know Protestant. It's at least not part of the the Catholic. But to become a Roman was just the ultimate betrayal. And uh, so I was, I was, I wrote, I wrote a a, a bunch of pamphlets and uh, and a book about you know attacking the ordinary. And then. Um, and then I, but I had, I had Catholic friends because you can't live in Boston and not have Catholic friends, especially if you're a conservative. You wind, you wind up with a bunch of TLM friends. Mm. And so one of my TLM friends was also very involved in the ordinary parish in Boston. And he said, you know, Mike, you talk about this all the time. He said, have you ever actually been to an ordinary service? I said, no, of course not. He said, will you just come with me once and just see it? And uh, I said, yeah, all right, if it'll make you feel better. I said, it's good opposition research. And so I went, and it was in the, uh, it was in the, 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 the mass was in a side chapel um, in a, a Roman Catholic church in, uh, well, outside of Boston. And, um, and the, the priest, who is now a very dear friend of mine, Father Jurgen Leas, was um, started off as a as an as a charismatic Episcopalian Anglo Catholic, mm-hmm. um, and he's got a he's a big friendly guy with a big booming voice who preaches like a Baptist. He's always talking about Jesus, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, and so I was I was sitting through this service, and um, I was like, this is the worst of every world, you know. It's like <laughs> it's not it's not the Book of Common Prayer. It's close. It's pretty yeah. good. Um, but, and it's in this, like this small rinky dink chapel, um, in a Roman Catholic church and the, and the priest sounds like a Baptist. I was like, this is <laughs> confirmation bias. And I was really happy that I'd gone, but, um, then it came time for communion and I, uh, going to Catholic schools, I always, you know, I, I you know, I was, I was told to, you know, to go up and cross my arms, um, and receive a blessing from the priest, which I did obviously didn't do when I was, a uh, when I was a 
involved in Satanism, but then my last, you know, my last year or whatever of high school, I, uh, I started doing it just to help the line flow. And, um, and so I was, you know, I, I did that. I went out to get a blessing. I figured it, I, I, you know, my, my opinion was that the Roman Catholic church was fine for continental Europe. It's a true church. Um, I had nothing against them, but they don't belong in the Anglosphere. And so I went up to, to, to receive a blessing and I, and I was the last person cause I was sitting in the back and, uh, and I knelt and I crossed my arms and, uh, and I, I've, I've said this a bunch of times. So it's possible that someone's heard this story before. Um, but I, uh, as the priest was coming down the line, the communion line and, um, in, in giving the Eucharist, I, uh, I had this feeling that I've only, it's a feeling that I used to get when I was picking up a friend of mine, my, my, my ex-girlfriend from the airport, cause she was Australian. And, uh, and when they, when you're, when this person that you love very much is, you know, coming through the gate, mm. you can sense them before you can see them. Mm. And I had this, this like excitement, this expectation. And, uh, I was like, oh, I wonder what this is. <laughs> this is odd. <laughs> and, uh, and his, and he came down, he was going slowly and he came coming down, coming down, coming down. And, uh, <laughs> I said, oh, it's Jesus. It's Jesus Christ. And, and he stopped over me, you know, I bless you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And I felt like my heart stopped. I, 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 C.S. Lewis says, um, when he, cause you know, he was wounded at the Psalm, I think, and he was, he was shot through with shrapnel. And he said, I, I was certain that I was dying. He said, I, in a way I probably was. He said, and it was, it, he said, it wasn't, uh, he said, I wasn't afraid. He said, it didn't feel like the moment for either courage or fear. Mm. It was just, and I had that feeling. I was like, I'm dead. I died. And I sat there and it took me a couple seconds and then I realized I wasn't dead. <laughs> and so I stood up and my knees were, my knees were weak. And I walked, I walked back to my pew. And uh, I just cried and cried, <laughs> and then I <laughs> and then it was over, and everyone went to coffee hour, <laughs> and I and the priest, <laughs> Father Leas, who's the most wonderful man I've ever met, he walked up to me. He said, "Hey, you're new here," <laughs> and uh, and he looked at me and he saw that my eyes were red, and he said, "He said, <laughs> he said, what's wrong?" I said, I want to become a Catholic. And I've never from that day had a moment's doubt. So uh, I didn't want to become ordinary. I love the ordinary, but I didn't want to become the ordinary because I wanted to be absolutely sure mm. that I wasn't just take, you know, accommodating myself to the Catholic Church. I wanted to make sure that I was, you know, I wasn't just, you know, going to where all the conservative Anglicans were going. I wanted to make sure. So I went to the mm. Latin Mass, which I hated. I went, a friend of mine took me in college once, and I hated it. Because it's, in many ways, very similar to the Anglican liturgy. But, uh, 
you know, the priest doesn't face the people. There are no, there aren't as many hymns. It's in Latin. You know, there's none of the cranberry in the English. Um, a lot of it's very quiet. And I didn't like it at all. It was, I, I could probably in a cerebral way recognize that there was beauty there, but I, uh, I didn't care for it. And so I went to this beautiful parish, St. Adelaide's in Peabody, Massachusetts. And, um, to a Latin mass. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that was, uh, and that was, but I, over time, you know, I, I figured it out. I, uh, and I, I grew to, I grew to love it. Mm. And I still love it. And the priests there, yeah, Father, Father David Lewis and Father Raymond Vander Mortel, um, they did everything for me. They were wonderful. Uh, and, uh, and I was received, yeah, within a couple of, mm. within a couple of months. And, uh, and I made my first confession. I want to get to that, but, yeah. but, but before I do, it's not as if you hadn't experienced the ritual of something like the Eucharist in your Anglican church. No, oh yeah, no, do you know I, what I'm saying? Because yeah, yeah, I yeah. can say someone saying, "Well, you were just moved by this beautiful ritual," but no, you were in an Anglican church that presumably did something that looked very similar. These almost, I mean, practically the same thing. They, they, I mean, they, uh, they believe that they have the Eucharist. The Anglo-Catholics believe that they have the Eucharist, and they reference it, and they have Eucharistic adoration. Um, I've, I've, and I'd been to Catholic churches and I'd done it. I'd been to, sorry, to the, the ordinary parish, but I'd been to nicer Catholic churches. I'd had, I'd done this many, many times before, but, um, God decided that was the moment mm. to reveal himself. And, uh, and yeah, that was the, I had this, this experience of the Eucharist and I've had, I, yeah, it's, uh, I've never had a doubt about this. And I, the sacraments are efficacious and you know that. And I think that, but I think people that aren't part of the Catholic church don't realize what it's like. I was, uh, I was at divine liturgy the other, a couple of weeks ago. And my daughter, my daughter is at the, uh, the perfect height right now where if I hold her, she can kick me between the legs. <laughs> nice. And, uh, and she kept doing it during liturgy when <laughs> she was being naughty. And I was just, I was not in the right mood. And so I went up to, uh, I went up to receive the the the, uh, the Eucharist, and then um, and and it was it was like the very first time, you know, the fir that first time in the ordinary chapel, and I felt and I just felt it washing over me, and uh, and so I took her out back because I had you know, I had to take I had to keep I had to take her with me, but I went out back and uh, into the, the outside the church, and I started to cry. And cry and cry and I kissed her on the forehead and she she got very distressed she said papa why are you crying <laughs> I said I said because I'm happy and uh, I'd been so mad at her <laughs> and I just loved her and uh, and she started to cry too and to laugh and we were just laughing <laughs> and I and I and I said to I said to God in my heart I was like what's what happened and he said, uh, he said, we tried fatherhood your way. Now we're going to try it my way. <laughs> and um, he just, and this is the, and I've had, I mean, this is the, the, God's been very good to me. He's time and time again, he's just, the sacraments just work. You know, they just, mm. they change you. The grace, the infusion of the grace. And, you know, we're Christians. We believe that God is everywhere. We believe that grace is everywhere. But the sacraments really are something special. And you can, you can feel that in few early, I mean, not always, sometimes, you know, you just go through the motions, unfortunately, but 
Yeah, sometimes. I mean, there's absolutely no reason why that should have happened. I, I should see. have just gone yeah. back and grumbled in my pew. Yes. But he flipped that switch in my heart. And he does that sometimes, you know? I mean, you, I'm sure you've had experiences like that I mean, where you receive the sacrament. It's usually when you least expect it. Mm. It's like when God catches you completely off guard mm. and just bombards you with grace and sweetness he and light. you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I don't have... This is, again, I'm just a very bad son. I don't have as much of a devotion to the sacraments as I should, but I think it's because I take it for granted. God's been so good to me with the... Yeah. With all of this, I've never had a moment to doubt. Hello. I want to say thank you to Hello, which is the best, not just the best Catholic app on the App Store, any App Store. It's the best app out of any app that's ever existed, Catholic or otherwise. I think it's finally time to say that. If you want to grow in your prayer life, please check out hello.com slash Matt. If you sign up on their website at hello.com slash Matt, you can get the entire app for free for 90 days. That's ridiculous. After those 90 days, if you don't agree with me that it's worth the, the money that you're going to get charged after that monthly, which is a relative, relatively small amount, you can just cancel. You won't be charged a cent. They have sleep stories. They have My Catholic Lo-Fi on there. They've just added the Gospels, a dramatized version of the Gospels. They have daily exegesis on mass readings, which you can listen to. It is fantastic. So if you haven't done it already, hello.com slash Matt. Sign up over there. Try it for free for three months. To doubt. Tell, tell us about your first confession. Oh, yeah. Well, it took a long time. <laughs> I, uh... My, my priest knew that I was into some... Into some... Some stuff, and... I, uh... And I yeah. said, I said, I don't think that I can... Because I was, you know, I, I did... I did some bad stuff apart from the magic. And so I, I said to my, my priest, I said, I don't think I can remember everything. And he said, write it. He said, write it down. He said, just this one time. He said, write down everything that you want to tell me. And I said, okay. So I did. And it was a very long, very long list. And um, what was that experience like? Trying to remember and then putting pen to paper? Horrible. And that was when it really, that was when stuff really started to sink in. Because I'd been, I had been, I'd been going to this beautiful church with these beautiful holy priests and um, you know how you have these moments where you just think, oh my God, you're so good. I suck. Mm -hmm. This is terrible. This is terrible. I'm so bad. <laughs> and uh, I just had this moment and I was, I was writing the, everything down and I went to the, I went to confession with him and I, and I told him, uh, I told him everything. And, uh, and then afterwards he said, you know, God, through the death and resurrection of his son, I don't know mm -hmm. what it is in English, mm -hmm. but I, he did it in English. I think because he wanted me to know what was happening. And, uh, and he pronounced, he gave the absolution. And, uh, and then he said, and then he, he smiled and he said, do you need to talk to an exorcist? <laughs> <laughs> I said, no. I said, I, I'll let you know, but I think I'm okay right now. He said, okay. He said, he said, there's mass after, there's mass. There was an evening mass. It was a feast day, I think. He said, he said, you should go to mass. I said, mm. I will. He said, you can't receive yet. I said, I know, I know. And um, he said, then when you get home, he said, burn that piece of paper. He said, and, and never think about any of this ever again. Mm. He said, I said, okay. And he said, Michael, he said, don't think about it. He said, don't let it trouble you. Don't let it burden you. 
He said, you are, it was like, what's that? What's that? It's not your fault. I know mm -hmm. it's not your fault. And, uh, and finally I was, I, it sunk and I said, okay, he's, you know, God doesn't want us to carry that. He wipes, it says in the scripture, he wipes the slate clean. It's like it never happened. Um, and that's, and I, uh, that was, I, I felt that. I felt that. I felt like the slate was washed clean. And I, I, and I, I remember I called my mom. I said, <laughs> I didn't know it was possible to feel this way. And my mom, my poor mom, she, 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 it's not her, it's not her tradition. She, she's so wonderful. She's so supportive. And she was like, oh, wow, that's great. And he's like, I, I've been unburdened by things I didn't know I was burdened by. Like I had my, I had anxiety, which I'm sure was partially demonic. And that was gone. Um, I, uh. I felt it. I felt the, the slate being wiped clean. <laughs> but I didn't, the, 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 mo the moment that I, it all, it all came together was um, at, the, uh, at the mass when uh, I realized I was ready. It was, you know, my, I, 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 I didn't realize it in my head like, oh, now, now it's just confirmation and Eucharist, right? I realized in my, I, I knew in my heart that I was ready now, that I had done the thing that I needed to do to be received into the church. And uh, kind of God putting his hand on me, it's like, now's the time, buddy. And um, and I remember the, uh, the during, it was, uh, it was the Marian feast. I don't remember which one it was, but the, um, at we, the, <laughs> At the end, they uh, they sang, you know, Immaculate Mary, our hearts are on fire. And one of the big hurdles for me as, a, as an high church Anglican, and one of the things that had always even kept me at a distance from, uh, from the Anglo-Catholic movement, I was never like a really true, like died in the wool Anglo-Catholic because I didn't, was not into Mary. Mm. And uh, it's something that had bothered me and that I'd been talking to my friends about. And they said, you know, it's not... It, It'll come. It'll come. Just be patient. Just mm -hmm. keep trying. I said, okay. And um, at that moment, it was like, there was that final piece, you know? I, and I, 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 that was the moment that I loved Mary, that I had, I had the love of Mary in my heart. And uh, so then my, uh, <laughs> Time goes by, and I go to and I, uh, and I, I get confirmed and uh, commune and everything. And I, every convert has this experience after confirmation. I go back and I'm praying in the pews, and all oh, these beautiful people keep coming up to me saying, "Welcome home, congratulations!" And then the little old lady saying, "Are you going to become a priest?" Mm -hmm. <laughs> nope. Uh, <laughs> But I was like, you know, and I loved it and I was very grateful, but I said, I need, I need some time alone. And, uh, and I heard, I heard, I felt Mary in my heart say, come to me. Mm. And I, I went up to, the, <laughs> there's a, I had some experiences with Mary before that I pushed out of my, this is a lot, you know, nothing's linear. 
<laughs> but I'd had some I'd had some very powerful encounters with Mary when I was younger, and uh, and I'd never let her into my heart, but I had now, and so I went out, <laughs> and she'd she'd protected me from a lot of things. And uh, I went to the Marion Grotto. It was, it was like a, it was pouring rain, and I was in my good suit, and I fell down in the mud. And I said, "Thank you, thank you for everything that you've done for me." And it was just, oh, yeah. Mm. I don't deserve anything that I have. Uh, I know what you mean. I've been there. <sighs> I've been there, arms wrapped around a St. Joseph statue, weeping like an idiot, <laughs> <laughs> hoping no one's looking. <laughs> oh, beautiful. I'm sorry that this is so incoherent. It's not incoherent. You're doing a fantastic job. Would you like Thursday to grab you a tissue? Oh, yeah. Would you mind Thursday? You might. Just oh, cause... there's some there. Look at that. Okay, so we don't have a tissue. Let's see if this works. But we do Sweet. have <laughs> a very sandpaperish paper towel. You might want to mute. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Time out, time out, time out. He's not going to blow, he's not going to blow. Okay, I muted the two microphones, because you dropped the tissues on your thing too, Matt. All right. Yeah, we're good. You're good, you're good. I unmuted you. Thank you for sharing. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah. What a gift. What a what a beautiful... vulnerability. Being vulnerable is difficult, because you open yourself up for attack. But it's the most beautiful thing a human can do. So I thank feel you very for doing that. Safe. Yeah, <laughs> good. I yeah. feel very safe. There's a what's the there's a story one of the mystics tells where uh, there's a, a a man a soldier who's lived a very disreputable life, committed every sin in the book and stuff, and he's he's shot, and uh, as he's dying, he cries, you know, Mother Mary, save me, and um, and then he's at the judgment seat, and uh, you know he's being read his the list of his sins. Mm. And all the people that he's hurt, and all the offenses that he's made to God, and uh, and then Christ says, "Is there anyone that you can call to speak in your defense?" And then Our Lady's there, and she wraps him mm. in her blue mantle, and says, "He called, he called for me. He's he's mine. Mm-hmm. I'll protect. I'm, I I will. <laughs> I'll vouch for him. You know." And uh, I wish that I'd, I probably should have, I didn't want to think about this too much before I came on the show just because I, you know, I wanted to speak from the heart Mm. and let God guide me, but I wish I'd talk more about Mary and, uh, but I know that she's, she's protected me all the, all the way. What advice do you have to our many Protestant viewers about the Virgin Mary, and maybe it's a hang-up they currently have, or an obstacle they're not sure how to overcome. It's a good question. I still wrestle. I, I don't wrestle with the theology of Mary, um, in the sense that I, it's not. So, but I, uh, I have Protestant arguments still in my head, and I, ah. I'm always trying to like kind of bounce them. I have. A, I, I love Mary. Um, but I'm not a theologian, and I was kind of steeped in Anglican theology, and I, you know. So, but I, uh, the thing that, um, the th- but it really, it, it really clicked after we became Eastern Catholic and, uh, the title of the Theotokos, the mother of God. And, uh, you know, the, I, I think, um, 
sometimes sometimes in the West you get I think a lot of Protestants are res- responding to a uh, a particular kind of Marian theology that yeah. can sometimes be unhealthy. Yep. Like there's a uh, there's a story about a, a there's a medieval apparition where there's a a, a monk who uh, who never who never ceases to repeat the the, the angelic salutation mm. and. Um, and it's kind of, you know, like the, the cashin, you know, sort of the prayer of the heart way. And, um, and Mary appears to this monk and says, um, my son thanks you for saluting me, but asks that you salute him also, you know? <laughs> so um, by, by no means the, the majority of Catholics, but there, but I think a lot of Protestants encounter and then sometimes with selective memory choose to, that they're, you know, that, that sometimes, you know, yeah, the um, Marian devotion can eclipse devotion to the Lord. Um, that's obviously not what the church wants, but I remember one story and I, I, I don't, this is nothing against my dad who I love, but he always, he, uh, one of the, I remember he, when we were, when I first became Catholic, he loves to tell this story about my great grandmother, um, who, uh, who had a great devotion to the blessed mother and it was always the blessed mother. And, um, in my, 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 my dad loves to say, he said, he asked her once, you know, Nana, why do you always pray to the blessed mother? And, um, and she said, because if you want something from a man, you go to his mother mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's something beautiful and true about that. But at the same time, yeah, you want to go to Christ. Yeah. You want to be, feel like you can go to Christ. <laughs> right. Uh, and so I think a lot of Protestants, I mean, my grand, my great grandma, I'm sure she's in heaven. I mean, this is not, this is not like a, Right. But I think that a lot of Protestants see that and they say, you know, why isn't Jesus enough? And um, and in the East, in the Eastern Christian tradition, um, the type part, you know, the uh, Our Lady is always the Theotokos. You know, that's that's the, and it's always the uh, she we we she's always holding Christ in her arms, and you can and uh, she's always pointing us to Him. And, uh, and I think also, oh, this is getting into the weeds. I hope it's okay. In the, um, the, one of the things that I've, I carried with me from when I was kind of an Anglo Catholic with Orthodox sympathies was the, was the, um, I don't, I don't think the, I don't think you can have Christianity make sense without a pretty robust understanding of theosis Mm -hmm. and, uh, or divinization Mm -hmm. and, Really, the besides the fact that she's Jesus's mom, the reason that Mary is so important in the East is because she was the first person that did it. Mm. You know, she's re, she's revered um, not just as the mother of God, but as the model of all Christians. Mm-hmm. And um, she she does the thing that you need to do if you want to become mm-hmm. like Christ. And this is this is why you know Saint Luke was painting as uh, Saint Luke mm-hmm. painted That's an right. icon mm-hmm. of Our Lady, and it's why. You know, as it's this isn't like a modern innovation. Some of the some of the stuff in the West, some of the more the what they call the Marian excesses in the Western mm-hmm. Church. And again, this is no judgment. Um, is is medieval, but it's you know you go back to the early Church, and there's huge devotion to Our Lady for that reason. They didn't have a very complex Marian right. theology, but they right. knew her personally. Yeah, they saw how Christ loved her. They saw what her prayers did. Mm-hmm. And when she prayed on her deathbed to see the apostles one last time, they appeared to her. Mm-hmm. She was clearly this very special lady. And um, she's the she's the perfect Christian, you know? And that's, um, 
And I found, I found that so, it, so compelling right. when I discovered it. Yeah. Yeah. I would recommend to Protestants that they read the Catechism of the Catholic Church and what it has to say about our Blessed Mother. Because to be a Catholic does not mean you have to resonate with how every saint speaks about mm. every Catholic devotion. Yeah. I mean, I've been a Catholic since I was baptized as, as an infant. And I read certain saints in the Blessed Virgin Mary and I think to myself, yeah, it's not doing it for me. Yeah. Maybe it will later. And maybe it's my fault, but maybe it isn't. It's okay. You know, we don't have to gravitate towards every particular saint what they have to say about the blessed virgin mary so yes. yeah don't don't let that be a stumbling block i suppose i would say yeah. but um but yeah if it's if it's good enough for the earliest christians yeah also i mean i know this has kind of been said but she has a unique relationship with each person of the blessed trinity in a way that no other creature can be said to have to said to have uh, you're a son of God the Father, and I. She's not only the daughter of God the Father; she is, in a very real way, the spouse of God the Holy Spirit and the mother of God the Son. I yeah. mean, I never thought of that. Yeah, that's really cool. And like one saint said, that she's she's like the moon, which reflects the radiance of the sun. Yeah, yeah, it's all from him. Yeah, but just like God, <laughs> just like. God doesn't get jealous when we marvel at the beauty of the moon or a mountain range or a baby or our spouse. Yeah. You know, it's his creation. It's like he's not jealous. Well, it's funny because... In the sense of sinful jealousy. Oh, yeah. 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 You know, God, wa God wants us to love everyone infinitely. So why wouldn't you try to love his mother infinitely? I mean, surely he, he thinks very highly of her. Mm. You know? I think the Protestant would say, it's not that I'm not willing to love her it's that I don't believe the things Catholics and Orthodox say of her. And it's like, all right, well, fair enough. And, you know, um, yeah, that's why that's why I would kind of... I'm trying to think of an analogy, right? Like, I'm trying to think of maybe a Muslim. Mm. Uh, a Muslim accepts Christ as a prophet, yeah. right? And you want this Muslim to come to believe that he's more than a prophet, that he's the yeah. second person of the Blessed Trinity. It may not be helpful for that. I'm not meaning to compare Protestants to Muslims, but there's an analogy here. It might not be helpful for that Muslim to read, you know, the, the Akathis to Christ or some beautiful poem to Jesus right now, because it might, it might be far too confusing for him. So you want him just to come to accept who Christ is. Mm. And then once he's accepted who Christ is, then the rest begins to, to follow. Yeah. And I think something similar with the Blessed Virgin Mary for the Protestant to realize that she's the mother of... God, that God has no absolute need of her, but chose her, yeah. uh, chose to have need of her, as it were. And that if it weren't for Mary, you wouldn't have Jesus. Um, and, and if you can just kind of get on board with like the, the bare minimum, um, and then just to be, to be patient and to, and to not impose upon yourself the many devotions that exist within Orthodoxy or Catholicism regarding the Blessed Virgin Mary, you don't have to do that. Um, and then I think it, it kind of follows yeah. Mm. I would say, yeah, I, uh, I think one of the things Protestant identity is so often negative. Mm. And so growing up, I had a, uh, I'm not this. Is that what you mean? I'm yeah, not that. Yeah. We don't do Mary because the Catholics do it. And of course they're, they have, they have a theology, yeah. but they also have this instinct. And I think that many times the instinct is harder to overcome. It's like, you know, the Catholics do the Mary thing. And I, th for me, I think that that, you know, it, it's true that Protestants will say, 
you know, I love Mary. I'm just not willing to pray for her. Um, I, I know from experience as, as a Protestant talking to Protestants and ex-Protestants that um, that's not true of everyone. There are a lot of people that don't want to love Mary that will, that will actively sort of minimize her role mm-hmm. in yeah. like the, take an even lesser opinion of her than in the gospel because they don't want to be Catholic. And I think that that's uh, I think oftentimes that instinct is the hardest thing to overcome. So I would, I would say to Protestants, if you can just recognize that and try to take that out of the equation, you know, Let's let forget Catholic versus Protestant. Just go to the Gospels mm. and go to the early church and see what they say about Ma- about Mary, and then go from there. You know, don't prep yourself for a great Marian conversion or anything like that. But um, you w- you will certainly take a higher view of Mary afterwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we have some questions yeah. from our local supporters. So let's. Uh... I saved one from the chat, but it's heavy. A lot of them are very heavy. All right. Well, we'll see how we do. <laughs> ask anonymously. Yes. Sometimes I'm, I'm so like, proud John says, ask, darn it. I'm someone with deep ties to the North Shore of Massachusetts. From time to time while hiking, I'll encounter people in the local woods who are toying with Ouija boards, etc., and regularly see the Beverly... Beverly City Department yep. of Recreation advertising monthly witchcraft ceremonies led by high priestesses on the beach. Generally, what should one make of the theistic Satanist community around here? Is it growing? Are most people participating in these activities? Are most people participating in these activities non-theistic? Yeah. yeah. I, uh, I t- there's a rail trail near our house, and I took my daughter for a walk. Um, down the rail trail and um, we made it probably about 10-15 minutes and I said B we have to go back and I I went home and Helen my my wife said um, that was a quick walk I said something's something's wrong in those woods and then I went back a couple days later by myself to go for a walk and there were pentagrams carved in all the trees Um, no one I, I don't know percentage-wise how many of these people th- are atheists or think that they're atheists. There, there's a lot, so much, so much more witch, real witchcraft, real Satanism out there than anyone realizes. So much more. Um, when you're involved in the community, you, you meet people everywhere. Um, yes, it's it's real. It's growing. Um, you know, this sounds like satanic panic stuff, but it's happening. It's happening in the woods near your house. You know, it's it's. I'm sorry, but it's it's. These are the times that we live in. Um, and part of the reason I wanted to stress that I had such a great childhood is not just because I did, not just to take the blame off my parents, but to say it can happen to anyone anywhere even people with the best of intentions you can be coming into it seeking goodness and beauty and truth and get sucked into the darkness and then fall in love with the darkness yeah. seeking the light and then falling in love with the darkness um 
So, yeah, does that answer the question? It's it does, a big, yeah. It's a huge problem. I mean, problem. I'm of the opinion that if you expose people to the reality of the demonic in the proper context, say, from a Christian author like Father Gabriel... Amorta, yeah. Or, or even a couple of the episodes I've done. Like, I've had a couple of... I've had two exorcists on my show. I, I throw this out here because if you're watching right now and you think, okay, like, how do I... You know, my child's old enough to hear some of this stuff. Maybe they don't want to listen to this episode, but maybe they want to listen to something like that to show them that because I think it shows the power of God. That's what those episodes do with the excess. It shows the power of God. It shows that the demons are nothing to fear, uh, but it also shows their reality and why they are something to fear if you give yourself over to them, you know? Yeah. Um, so in a way, I hope that those episodes I've done with exorcists can be something of a, you know, what do you say? An antidote or a... That might be the wrong word. Um, okay, I'm not going to read any of these people's names just in case they want them to be anonymous, but this person says, I have a co-worker that has a Ouija board-themed backpack. Um, should I take all of her belongings out and burn it? Um, pro probably not. I would think that there's a multi... I, I'd like... Please disagree with me, okay? But my initial thought is... Uh, all right, it's a co-worker, so this probably wouldn't go well for your job if you need it. Uh, two, you are committing theft and then damaging someone's property, so you would have to suffer the consequences of that. Th those would be things you would have to consider before doing something like this. Finally, I would imagine it would only harden their resolve. That's the big one. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think she would love to feel persecuted because this is the thing they... You want, this is, I mean, from the very beginning, I wanted so badly to be the pagan in the woods, you know, hiding from the, and they, they, they all talk about this. They all talk about how, how hard it is to be a Wiccan, how hard it is to be a Satanist because of the Christian patriarchy and stuff. And it's not true. It's not it true. Were. What's that? If only it were. I know. Yeah. And, um, there was, uh, in my first book. The reactionary mind. I have a chapter on the Inquisitions and why Thomas More defended the burning of heretics. Um, we don't have to go too deep into that, but um, the church, the, the church's position is that uh, you no, know, historically, that um, you know, violence to, to to fighting evil with violence is uh, is not always a bad thing. I mean, Saint mm -hmm. Bernard says that you know when the when the Christian knight falls in battle. Um, he dies for he dies for God. You know this is historic church teaching, mm -hmm. um, but it's always it's always. In, but but he also says, you know, it has to be a question of is it going to help? You can't just lash out at evil. Um, sometimes it may even most of the time the correct answer is to turn the other cheek. Um, to those of you who are spiritual, correct those who have fallen in a mm -hmm. spirit of gentleness. You do so much more good by bless it with holy water. Slip a miraculous oh, yeah. metal into a bag. Pray for her. Well, green scapular. Green yeah. scapular, yeah. Uh, this person, again, I'm not going to read any names just in case. <laughs> Powerful interview, he says, so far. And what a great testimony. Thanks for this. Praise yes. be to our Lord Jesus Christ for the power of his love and grace. Yes. Uh, this woman asks, can you ask Michael, if he's comfortable answering, of course, if black masses are in Latin... If they are, would that be a sign that the traditional Latin mass is pro the proper form? I don't know if we want to take our cue from Satanists, but just right. as clarification, I don't hold that opinion. I believe the Novus Ordo is just as valid as Latin, the extraordinary form, or however you want to phrase it. Uh, Michael, you will be included in our daily rosary intentions. God bless. Thank you very much. Gosh. 
Like I haven't yeah, thought was, about that perk. All the people that please pray for me. Everyone yeah, that, yeah, everyone pray. Uh, yeah, um, I don't know that. I thank God I didn't get that far. Um, this man says, "Can you ask Michael if he has anything to say about Saint Michael and the Good Angel this side of his conversion? I'd imagine that their characters and his experience of them are a stark contrast to that of the Satan and demons." Yes. Yeah. It's uh it's it's interesting. He I I feel like I have a special relationship with him because well I mean in one sense we all do because he's kind of the almost this is theologically wrong but like the universal guardian angel, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He's uh he's the prince of the angels. Um but I have but you do you feel like you go into battle with Michael. You you do go into battle with Michael in a way that you don't go into battle with any other um with anyone. and I have a I was talking to a friend of mine who's, uh, oh gosh, this is a, he was a Catholic seminarian, um, dabbled in paganism, um, and now is Jewish. He's ethnically Jewish. He reverted to Judaism or whatever. But he said, he, he said, I experience demonic oppression because of what I did when I was a pagan. Um, he said, and I pray the St. Michael prayer. He said, it doesn't have Jesus in it. He said, I, I consider myself a pious Jew. Um, he says, but I know it works. He says, I know it works. And mm. I still, I, I, it worked when I was a Catholic and it still works as a Jew. Mm. So Michael, Michael's Michael, yes, is fighting for us. Mm. Sarah says, disclaimer for melancholics. She said, you may cry throughout the interview. <laughs> this is her. Thank you for sharing your beautiful story. Te Deum, she says. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Oh, the person who asked about the Ouija board, I think, is now saying this was more of a joke. Okay. Yeah. Text is tone deaf. It's a valid question. It's a valid question. Again, I'm not against the the burning of evil materials, just only if it's going to do more, more good than harm. Do you find that you have a sensitivity to when evil is glorified in art and movies? Yes. In a way that others may not? Yes. Because I find, like, because of my history of pornography, I can't watch any movies that have any kind of sex stuff in it. Yeah. I don't want to have anything to do with it. First thing I do is I look up, is there anything like that? And I can't do it. Yeah. Sometimes we'll be watching a movie and something quite brief will happen. Or it's not even, it's not even, I'm not even talking about things that tempt me by viewing them. I'm talking about making light of what is holy in marriage and and bringing it down to the level of the beasts, even in language in a way that isn't lust-inducing, say. I find myself hurt, like hurt in a way that feels almost (laughs) inordinate. And so I wondered if you would have, is it something similar when you've been down this road? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. uh, Well, I mean, in in both, uh, you know, it's... um, You think about how... I, I still, like I said, I still feel the draw in some ways. I, it's, it, it's kind of a latent, I mean, probably what it's the opposite of what you're talking about. Like with, for me, it, uh, it's titillating. You know what I mean? It's still, it's still attractive in a certain way. And, um, and I find that objectively disgusting and, but it, yeah, it breaks my heart to think about how many people are doing what I did, which is just, mm peeking at this darkness and getting and getting slowly drawn in um so on both levels yes it's hard to it's hard to see how a country which slaughters its unborn babies doesn't 
gradually become a satanic nation. Of course. It not only slaughters their babies, but then celebrates it, you know, yeah, publicly the, and as a nation. The satanic such. temple is suing one state government in the South um, that has now has an abortion ban saying that abortion is a satanic sacrament. And as re- yes, right. under religious freedom laws, they yeah. should be allowed to have abortions. Yeah, this That's, is this is child sacrifice. It is, and they're open about it now. Yeah, this is this is beyond post Christianity. This is we are. Like this, this is a satanic. Yeah, yeah. How can we help? You know, it's so funny. Usually, if I'm having an interview with somebody who left Protestantism, say, and you know, I love my Protestant brothers and sisters, as you said, yeah. I really do. And so I'll say, well, how how can we help our Protestant? friends and you know so yeah. but i would think that many people don't have and probably shouldn't have almost certainly shouldn't have close acquaintances with satanists no. so how i imagine the answer is be a saint but yeah other than that how do how do people help their friends and family members maybe especially who are dabbling in witchcraft or who are full on satanists how could people have helped you at the time i'm afraid to answer that question because i think that would be better for a priest. Okay. Um, I don't want to give anyone advice on how to deal with a circumstance like that. Well, let me ask a personal question. How do you <laughs> think you could have been helped when you were a 15-year-old or whatever, full on into Satanism? If I, I, I wish that um, I had this hole, this God-sized hole in my heart. You know what? I had this. I had this longing for, for true and good and beautiful things. And it's no guarantee, but if, um, if I had, if my first exposure to the Catholic mass had been St. Adelaide's and Peabody or the fraternity parish, in New Hampshire, instead of the Novus Ordo, that might've made all the difference. Um, I think that, um, I think, yeah, beauty, beauty. And if we, if we, our culture loves, it fetishizes evil and ugliness in architecture and in art and irreverence. And I think the most powerful witness against that is to be, is to be kind and, uh, and to, to, to create beautiful things. I mean, how many people have been converted by lit good literature? How many people have started down that path through things like Tolkien, you know, um, these are the, I mean, these are the weapons of the angels. Um, and I wish that, uh, I wish I, I wish I'd known Christ better. Mm. I think that so many people, this is what, this is what struck me about C.S. Lewis is that he was so, his Christianity was compelling because it was authentic. It wasn't embarrassed by itself. It wasn't ashamed of itself. And I was reading this and I was like, oh, this is, this is the Christianity the Satanists warned me about. You know what I mean? That's what we need. We don't need to, to try to accommodate the culture of death. That's, that's doom. That's the end. I think the, the, the yeah. most, the, to, the starkest possible contrast with evil, sainthood, holiness, beauty. That's what I, that's what would have, if someone had said to me, look, this thing that you do with the, the statues, the little statues, and the little metal chalice, a million times better over here. That, that could yeah. have, that could have made all the difference. Um, this person from locals asks, how do theistic Satanists go around the concept that Satan was created by God. Do they not think the creator has more power than the angel? Do they know it's an unfair battle they are getting into? That's a very interesting question. The, uh, 
the thing so this is why faust i think is such an important uh an important work because satan and the demons rebel knowing that they're going to lose but they have so much pride and so much hatred mm. for god that they do it anyway and faust uh is the same you know he's 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 the same kind of the same thing in human form he know he he's he's letting himself be dragged into hell and there's there comes a point where you're so enslaved to the darkness that you don't care you don't care that you're going to lose um your pride and your ambition and you it's it's uh you hate you hate god and everything that god stands for so much that um you know St stephen fry said something about how you know if uh mm. If, if if God is the kind of person that condemns homosexuals, then he's a cruel SOB and I'd rather go to hell or something like that. And you hear people like that say that. Christopher Hitchens said something similar. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it's like, yeah, okay, well, that's... That's an option for you. Yeah. Yeah. And um, that's the... I struggle, you know, it's 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 hard to imagine how... Because we, we believe that you only go to hell by choice. God gives you every grace, every opportunity. Mm -hmm. But he the only thing that he can't he can't do is he can't force you to love him and if you choose to hate him it's like as c.s lewis says god can't give you peace outside of himself it's not there and if you hate god if you truly hate god he can't do anything about that he gave us that free will you know this this reminds me of arguments in the past more particularly a bad arguments i've had with my wife where i don't want to say sorry yes i know i'm wrong yes but I, I cannot, and all of us have had this experience, I would imagine, to one degree or another, where I, I just cannot bring myself, how many times you hear people say, I cannot bring myself to, yeah. there's, a, there's a power in destroying yourself. Yes, <laughs> it's demonic. That is demonic. And I, I, we were talking about this in the walk over. Um, I, I've never struggled with the problem of evil just because it is to me, it has been in my life the most powerful mm. evidence of the supernatural. And um, having been so deep into it, little things like, you know, I love the Jesus prayer. I've loved the Jesus prayer since I was an Anglican. Mm. Um, it's my, my favorite thing to do. I Physically, I find it so soothing. Mm -hmm. um, intellectually, I find it so satisfying. And then obviously spiritually, I... I I get I get something out of it every single time I say it. Mm. It's it's like a it, sword that won't blunt. Yeah, and uh, mm. but I don't say it as much as I should. And I and I whenever I say whenever I say to myself, you know, I'll say that I should say uh, I should say a rope, right? Mm. And um, and then I and then I then I'm, but there's a part of me that doesn't want to. Mm. And it's like, what could that possibly be? There's everything to recommend it. I don't like doing anything more than that. Why wouldn't I do it? Why do I say no more times than I say yes? That's evil. Mm. That doesn't make sense. There's no reason why that should exist. Especially if you don't have pressing needs or duty isn't requiring yeah. you to do something else. Yeah. yeah, I'm a journalist. I never do anything. Mm. <laughs> um, this person asks, with regard to your response about walking in the woods with your family, with when you talked yeah. about the pentagram quick question i know what a pentagram looks like where does it come from do you know thursday <laughs> i'd never thought about that if you look that up for us thank you what do satanists believe they are doing to the geographic locations where rituals take place if anything should we be asking priests to come and bless these locations if we come across ritual ritual locations so what do they think they're doing i would i mean 
I, I guess I should. Yeah. Oh, they're, they're, um, they're doing what you do um, when you when you pray for someone or when you pray for your, you know, in the divine liturgy, we pray for our city, right? And they're doing the same thing in reverse. I mean, at least the Satanists are doing the same thing in reverse. They're wishing, they're wishing evil on you. They're invoking evil. They're invoking darkness. They're trying to bring the darkness into our, into our lives. Um, there was a, I remember there was a, uh, I forget, I, I think it was a priest I met in person, but it might have been uh, a video I watched. It was, he was talking to someone about, um, on a plane about how he, you know, the, the Catholics, um, fast on Friday and whatnot. And the woman said, that's very interesting. She says, I'm a Satanist and I fast on Sunday. Um, cause I want to try to cancel out what you guys are doing. I, you know, this is, this is the day of great mourning for us. You fast on Friday because that's when Christ died. We fast on Sunday cause that's when he rose. God have mercy. Yeah. Wackadoozy. I got something, I think. This is really hard to tell. It's like one of those weird things that's like in every single culture for all of history. Mm -hmm. Like they've got... Oh, I see. You know what I mean? Like it's literally in Sumerian poetry from like 3500 BC. So if what I'm seeing is correct, it originates as a sign in occultism because it was used in Faust. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, because it was used in Faust. Uh, The line is, Mephistopheles says, I must confess, I'm prevented through, though by a little thing that hinders me, the druid's foot on your door sill. Faust, the pentagram gives you pain? Then tell me, you son of hell, if that's the case, how did you gain entry? Are spirits like you cheated? Mistopheles, look carefully, it's not completed. One angle, if you inspect it closely, mm. has, as you see, been left a little open. So, huh. okay, it might be seen as powerful from Faust. Mm. It's, Thanks. It's yeah. hard to tell, because it's everywhere, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... How do you feel, because you just said a moment ago that evil has never, because it's been so prevalent in your life, it hasn't been a compelling argument against God's existence. How do you feel, we talked about this before, but I want you to talk about it now. How do you feel about ghost stories and horror as a as a genre? Do you, because you, well, you also yeah. said there's a sensitivity to that, so I would imagine you would have a. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. Well, I guess I've, what I've seen is so much worse than like reading a story that it doesn't bother me on a visceral level. Yeah. And um, if there was a story, so one story that does, that does bother me is because it's about a diabolist. It's an M.R. James story. Okay. And the, the characters, the main character is based on Aleister Crowley. And I don't read that one. Mm. Um, for the most part, I mean, ghost stories as such, or like Cthulhu mythology. Yeah. Doesn't really have much in common. I mean, it's evil, right. but, um, but I think that, you know, there are, there are people who say that, you know, this, you shouldn't touch this because it's evil. Um, I don't know anything, but <laughs> in, in my, uh, in my humble opinion, I mean, I wouldn't, I would rather people get a taste of how horrible that is, uh, 
through literature and then never have to actually yeah. encounter it. I, I think that ghost stories or horror stories, and obviously there's a distinction that needs to be made between something that's glorifying evil or pressing your face into something disgusting for the sake of it, that sort of thing, and other works like, I think Hansel and Gretel is one of the most terrifying stories he's ever written. I'm not yeah. joking. I think Dracula is, you know, Bram Stoker, I think. Uh, but I think these are beautiful books, and I think they can also kind of put us in touch with the reality of the fact that the world is stranger than we had first supposed. It, it, it yeah. almost does battle against the secular interpretation of the world that we've been given in a right. way, where it can. Absolutely. Do you agree or no? I do. I do, yeah. You know, it's interesting there's a, there's a story, a novella called The Great God Pan mm. by Arthur Macon. And um, it's uh, in many ways very revolting. It's considered the first you know, horror. It's the first horror story. Okay. And um, you might care to, I don't know if I could, you might care to read I don't know if I could re recommend it. But there is a, um, there is a satanic aspect. And I didn't know that. I thought it was about the God Pan. Um, you can imagine who Pan actually is, but the, uh, one of the things that I was struck by, I, I read about it afterwards and it was castigated, um, by, by critics for being so explicit and so grotesque. And ah. so, and, um, and I, I was reading that and I was like, I didn't think it was that bad. Yeah. And, um, that was something I wrote a Substack post about this, but I was, I realized how desensitized mm. we've been like, I was telling Thursday, I was, uh, one thing I might criticize my parents for, they gave me a TV when I was a kid. So I remember when I was quite little, um, staying up all night watching Silent Hill and that shattered me, that haunts, that will haunt me forever. And, um, those things really desensitize you to evil. It, it takes a lot to shock people now. Yeah. And that's not good. Yeah. I remember what hearing of Braveheart. You ever watch that movie? Yeah. It was a big deal. When did it come out? I was probably about 11 or 12. But there's that scene of the decapitated head in the basket. Yeah. And now that's like every single episode of every single show on Hulu. Right. Okay. It's not, not really. But yeah. 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 No, that's a good point. All right. Well, as we wrap up, I want you to tell people where they can go to find more about you. I just want to hold this up for the camera here Thursday. This is called The Reactionary Mind. Why Conservative Isn't Enough by our guest, Michael Warren Davis. Um, Rod Dreher. Cool. Endorsed it. Um, where else? I love that guy. Yeah. He um, seems like a good chap. I was just in... Um, where was I? Istanbul. Oh, he's in Romania. Isn't Hungary. He? Hungary. Yeah. I was, I was supposed to go to Hungary, but we missed our flight, and the hope was to meet up with him. You should. I will. I'll go back. We're hoping he's to go back to Ukraine guy. again. So yeah. next time he's do done that. more for me than I could ever say. Wonderful. Yeah. Um, my, and then will you will you write these down to put them in the episode? So like your Substack page. What's that? Yeah, it's um, commonman.substack.com. Okay. I think. Um, and you can also pre-order my new book. Yes, which um, I'll promise to promote big time when it comes out. Oh, thanks. Mom. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate that. I yeah. have to make my plug for my publisher, but um, it's uh, it's called After Christendom, yeah. um, and it's uh, through Sophia Institute Press and a publisher of great authors like Father Boniface Hicks and Mother yeah. Ileana, and also me. 
um, not so great, but that's, uh, yeah, I, um, it's available for pre-order now. Awesome. Well, thank you for agreeing to come on the show and for driving all the way here and God bless your Pleasure. wife and your family. And Oh, it's an honor. Yeah. Thank you, Matt. Thank Thanks. you so much. Long time fan. And I, I really can't believe that I'm, that's I'm awesome. here. Yeah. Well, may I do a lot of good. <laughs> I hope yeah. so. Amen. Amen. Thanks. Thank you.